It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, Rupert Murdoch owns the Financial Times, and, uh, you know, if I was Rupert Murdoch, that's what I would think too. Hey, the the problem here is you haven't given me enough money yet. Everything yeah. will be fine once you. What do they think they are? School teachers? <laughs> I mean, that's what the school teachers. If they give us more money, then we teach the kids. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, the kids yeah, would learn yeah, yeah. if they if, and and why? Because the kids would feel good knowing that we're well taken care of. Because that's why they don't learn. They're distracted, worrying about the well-being of their teachers. Yeah, that's what that's what slows them down. That's why they can't read in eighth grade. Yep. Do you well, know that 80, 80, something like uh, 82% of 8th graders in the Detroit school district cannot read? Not surprised. 86 can't do math. 86% can't do math in 8th grade. You know, this is just, uh, you know, and it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the these are the country. people that are going to bitch and moan and we're talking predominantly. I'm going to assume sure, we're talking Detroit. predominantly black kids. Yep. And these are the kids who are going to be taught to hate Whitey because Whitey be oppressing the brothers and the sisters. Well, which is a bunch of crap. Whitey's not oppressing them. Whitey's just saying, look, can you read? Can you write? Yeah, can you no. do mathematics? And if you can't, go find a job someplace else. Yeah. We're not going to hire you. We're looking for a brain surgeon. Yeah. You understand? We're not looking for somebody who can't read or write. What I'm trying to get to, and I've, you know, a, an idea that's becoming increasingly clear in my mind is that the problem that the Negro community has in this country is that a substantial portion of them are members of the nigger culture. Right? It's not about their race. It's about their culture that holds them down. They want to blame Whitey for holding them down. You know, you go ahead in Detroit and send your kid to school, black parents, send your kid to school and with with a good foundation and an interest in learning mathematics and, and history and reading and writing and so on. And he'll get the crap beat out of him by the other black kids or say you're acting too white. Yep. Because the black kids understand that white is not a race, it's a culture. A black man can be white. A Negro can be white. Negro is a race. Caucasian is a race. White is a culture. Black is a culture. Nigger is a culture. It's a system of values. We have, we have people that say, oh, we've got to have you know, black lives matter. Really? They don't matter to niggers. I watch black films on a fairly regular basis. I find them fascinating. Mm-hmm. They are, in the sense, Norman Mailer defined the word fascinating back in the 50s probably, as attractive and repulsive at the same time. <laughs> Something that was fascinating was both at the same time. I watch black films once in a while. They, they, and, you know, there are interesting things about it. For example, you will see films that are put out by corporate America. And they got Denzel Washington in there, and he's playing a positive role, typically. Mm-hmm. All right? And those films that are put out by corporate America, and you could even say white America, they extol the virtue of blacks, Negroes. But if you see the productions that are clearly the work of black 
producers, black directors, and so on. They don't have as much, anywhere near as much money behind them, but I've watched them and film after film after film. Their fundamental philosophy is bleak. Yeah. They understand that they are essentially born to die in a gunfight or whatever, or in the slammer or whatever. There is, you, you are going to go through a long, uh, a lot of black films made and produced by black actors, black producers, black directors, funded by blacks. They'll tell you the truth of the situation, and it is bleak, all right? And they get that. It's the white production that says, oh, you know, the, the, you know everything's going to be great for blacks. No, it's not. No, it's really not. It goes to this culture. It goes to this idea. It's not about whether you're black, whether your skin is dark or light. It's not about whether you're Negro or Caucasian. It's about whether you are black or white. What system of values have you absorbed? No, absolutely. It's the white system of values that is essentially Christendom that has made the difference in Europe for centuries and the United States for a couple of centuries and Australia and a couple other places. Well, I, I wipe that out. Who's going to who's going to provide the food to feed everybody? Well, it's I'd, the values, 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 not race. Values. I've mentioned this a couple of times uh, in the last, you know, since I got out of you know core school in the Navy, you know, which is a pretty, uh, you know, it's a pretty uh, academic school as far as military goes, you know, and uh, we we had three men to a room. In our dorm. It was real nice. And uh, both of my roommates were black. And one of them, he was from Philadelphia. And if you talked to him on the phone, you wouldn't know he was black. And this guy studied. Okay, he wasn't naturally smart. But he, but he worked at it. He did the work, and he got A's. Yeah. But he did do the work. Yep. And how I know he did the work was because me and the other black guy, who was really, truly, and I say this affectionately because he was my friend. Yep. We'd go out partying together. But he was a nigger. Yeah. And we had great fun as the cracker and the nigger at bars, uh, you know, just... uh hooting up a storm there and then getting everybody all tense and, you know, oh my god, oh my god, and then laughing about it. They didn't like us too much for that, but it was a lot of fun. And he was You get also... the crap beat out of you by the Mexicans. <laughs> See? He... You damn crackers and niggers <laughs> go up cracking jokes in our bar and we're gonna beat the... You know, the thing was, though, he was also smart. But he was just, you know me and him got along, and we were kind of the same. You know, hey, let's just pass the test, get through this, and party. You know, have a good time. What makes you so sure I'm not the guy you can't tell over the phone whether I'm black? Yeah, well, that's right. (laughs) I may be that guy. You know, I say, hey, how you doing there, Frank? Yeah, but he did. Long time no see. As we went out, you know, okay, class is over. We don't have duty. (laughs) We're throwing on our civilian clothes and heading out to the bars. He's at the desk. You know, and we'd always say, you want to go out? No, 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 I got to, you know, we got this test tomorrow, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, we know we're in the same class, you know. Uh, but we're going out, see ya. And he he would study and go to sleep. Well, from early. my perspective, if I had to guess, I would say when, when I'm comparison, when comparing whether the race to the culture idea, I would say the guy you're describing, he may be Negro, but he was white. Yeah, everything he was a about white him. Negro. 
everything right? about him Negros, was. They're black. They're black Negroes. Yeah. Or not even black Negroes. I don't even know where you put it in, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to communicate. I'm not trying to raise a storm on this thing, but I'm just saying it's something that has to be understood. Black is a culture. White is a culture. Both of them are systems of values. When you embrace a system of values that will keep you, help you to live until you're 90 years old, all right, that's one thing. If you're going to embrace, if you're going to embrace another system of values, another culture that's going to get you shot and killed before you're 25, that's do, which culture do you want to embrace? Oh, yeah. And you got the black people that are being, the Negro people that are being taught, you can't be acting white. Right? There's people in the community. They're the ones that are oppressing the brothers and the sisters. Well, they really are. They're the white man. It's the black man or the niggers are saying, don't you be acting white. Well, and, they, and they've got a good friend have? How much trouble did your friend have who could pass over the phone for being white? Oh, well, with us, you know, where, in, where he was, he didn't have any trouble. But I'm sure back in Philadelphia he may have. But then again, this was in 1981. Yeah. And things weren't like they are now. I mean, blacks, yeah, they had, you know, their their groups and that, but there wasn't this, I'm telling you, I get the sense, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm imagining it, but since Obama became president, race relations have seemed to deteriorate in this country. Well, I agree with you. They're not getting better, but is it because of Obama or is it because of the economy? Well, I think, you know, I, I don't think they're exclusive, but, you know, I think Obama had a lot to do with it because, really, uh, you know, and I have heard, you know, and read black people who recognize that Obama has failed them. Mm-hmm. You know, but as, they are a minority. A minority within a minority. Well, and I, I'm not so sure that they're a minority that people realize that he failed them. They just don't care. We're vote, we love him anyway. We're voting for him anyway because he's black. Yeah, I get that. We're black, he's black. But that's and another point. Is he? Loser. No. Is he? <laughs> no, he's not. But he right? passed himself off as black. And that no, ought to he be passed himself that. off, in my opinion, as white. He got elected as a white man. That's the way I read this. He was. He embraced the white culture. He allegedly went to Harvard Law School. All right? He spoke. He, he spoke articulate English. He didn't walk around with his pants around his hip and his hat on sideways. That was a white man. Barack Obama was elected as a white man. I would argue that he is ruling as something other than a white man. All right. Now that he got into office, he played the white man. That got him into office. Now he's got some power. Now I think we're seeing his true color or his true culture. But he got elected, in my opinion, he's a white guy. Like Ben Carson. He's a white guy. Right? He's black. He's a Negro, but he's a white man. Right. Because he has embraced... You don't get to be a you don't get to be a brain surgeon by uh, you know hanging out with your homies in the hood. No, All right? That guy had to sit down and work and study and teach and learn things. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the white culture to do that. It is not part of. I mean, it's not clear that it's part of the black culture. You know, what's it's really certainly sad, not Al? part of the Negro the nigger culture. What's really sad, Al, is the fact that you know it. Well, as you mentioned this, I'm getting it, and I'm I'm also recognizing that, gosh, a whole culture, yeah, has basically been wiped out. Also, because okay, while Ben Carson and this guy I went to school with, you know, they had dark skin and they were Negro, but they acted white. They sound white. They put they they have embraced white culture as far as, hey, you got to work, you got to study, and then you get ahead, you make money, and, you know, there you go. But 
you know, there used to be a black culture where they retained, you know, a lot of this uh, uh, stuff that we see out of these kids wearing their hats sideways and all this stuff. But they also had jobs at the time. They had their own community. They had their own music. They had their own clubs. Harlem in the 30s was not like Harlem now. You know, I mean, they had, yeah, it was segregated, yeah, but and, and it was their culture. But their culture retained some things that we shared in the white culture, which was hard work, raising your family, things like that. You Owning know, and businesses. I think, There was a point in time when the, the Negroes did what they yeah. could to own their own businesses now. No. You know, they're just owning the post office box where their welfare check comes in, and that's an, that's an exaggeration, and it's certainly not true of everybody who's here. Sure. But the thing is, what we had in common, white culture and black culture, was Christian values. Yeah. And you we, know, don't have, we don't share that anymore. No, no. Pat Buchanan was the one who made the observation in one of his books probably six, eight, ten years ago. He described Europe as Christendom, and he described, and what he was talking about was the culture that came out of Europe and came to the United States. It was Christendom, and when we say white, ultimately that's what we really mean. That's certainly a big part of it. I won't say that it's everything, but it's fundamental from my perspective. This is evidence. We're losing the whites, not losing the Caucasians. If we're losing the whites, we are losing the spiritual war that's going on here. And if you want to win that spiritual war, you're going to have to identify what are the values of what I regard as the white culture. Not the white race, the white culture. And if you want to hang on to that, recognize those values, stand up and fight for them. Teach them to your kids, to your family, speak out in their favor of them in front of your politicians or wherever. And to understand this whole thing about black, white, niggers, negroes, rest of it. The whole thing is so convoluted and complex that it's difficult to talk about because it's hard to even know what the terms mean. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, but what I'm saying, look, we got negroes, we got caucasians, we got asians. Basically, three three fundamental races. You can throw in some others probably in the rest of that. Book. Oh, wait a minute. You got three races and then you have a number of cultures. And we can have it's not as if Christendom the white culture is monolithic. We have subcultures within the white culture, and one of them might be redneck, a culture, a system of values. All right? And if you're going to embrace the redneck culture, well, you get yourself a big old Ford pickup truck with giant wheels on it, tractor wheels, and go down and get yourself involved in one of these mudding contests where you try to make it through, the, through a giant mud puddle in your truck. It's fun, it's interesting, but you're not likely to get rich being a redneck. Right? No, but the if thing is... If you want to get rich, which is fine. You don't have to get rich, but you can't complain. Right. And say, oh, I didn't get rich. And I say, well, what are you doing with your truck? Well, I broke an axle running through the mud puddle in order to, you know, fooling around. That's not a... For it's fun. Maybe fun. That's what you want. You want to dedicate your life to fun? Have fun. But don't complain and say, oh, I dedicated my life to fun, or oh, I dedicated my life to violence, or oh, I dedicated my life to basketball, and I didn't get rich, and that's proof that somebody's discriminating against me. No, it's proof that you embrace the wrong culture, or at least it's evidence. I won't say it's proof, but or it's hey, things just didn't work out for you. Get over it. And Move sometimes on. That's, that's the truth. Even if you do embrace the right culture, sure. if there is one that could be said to be right... 
if you embrace even then you don't necessarily mean you live happily ever after, but it increases sure. the probability. You sit back and say, yeah, I'm behaving white. What does that mean? Okay, I got a wife, I got three kids, we got a stable marriage, we got a house, we got a car, blah, 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 maybe two cars. All right, it's not necessarily an exciting situation, but there's a kind of stability there that you're not going to find. Say, oh, I'm a nigger. Hey, you know, and one of the things that gets me, you watch these movies that the blacks put out, and one thing you will hear the niggers say, and they call each other niggers all the time, and I'm sure you understand, hey, nigger, hey, my nigger, hey, rest but they will stand up and sometimes tell you, a nigger doesn't care. That's not a white person speaking. That is a nigger speaking. Niggers don't care, meaning they don't care if they kill other niggers. They don't care if they get killed themselves. And that's particularly interesting to me because we've got this business about we've got to have black lives matter. They do? Matter to who? They don't, they don't matter to niggers. Well, Are we supposed to say they should matter? Oh, we've got to be especially careful. of We white people got to be especially careful of Black lives. Yes, we have to be very careful. But the blacks don't have to be careful. The niggers don't have to be careful. Niggers don't care. They say so. It's part of the mantra of being a nigger, embracing that culture. So, ah, niggers don't care. And they, say, and they do this, say, essentially, I don't care if I don't have anything. I don't care if I don't have a car. I don't care if I don't have a family. I don't care about anything. I'm a nigger. You do care. You just don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit how much it's hurt you. Well, but you sure. And if you don't care... Because you're being oppressed by Caucasians, you're being oppressed by your by fellow Negroes who insist that you better not start acting white. You start well, acting too white, we're gonna—they're the ones that are oppressing the blacks. Well, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't, if you didn't care, you wouldn't be griping about people holding you back. Yeah, I understand. You know, it's like so you do care, you know. And yeah, that whole Uncle Tom thing has been on, you know, going on for quite a while. Uh, in that particular culture, and that culture has spread. You know, that's what spread. Yeah, sure, in some communities in the worst parts of the country, you know, Uncle Tom this, Uncle Tom that, you know, and they had that thing where, oh, yeah. you know, blacks couldn't act white, but it wasn't as widespread as it is now. And now it's even in the media. Yeah, no. You know, and you got white kids with their head, you know, their hat turned sideways and their pants down by their ankles and, uh, you know, playing this. And uh, what do they call themselves? Wiggers. Yeah. Whites who want to be niggers. Yeah. That's what wigger means. Whites who want to be niggers. I look at it, and some, my God, it's a tragedy, for God's sake. But they are coerced. They, in order to not get the crap beat out of them, they've got to pretend to be niggers. Well, you got to wonder where their parents are at, too. You know, because, I mean, you know, I don't care if I was getting the crap beat out of me at school. If I came home... Well, you probably deserved it. I would probably... <laughs> yeah. If I came home with my head, you know, my pants around my ankles and my hat sideways and talking like these guys do, my, uh, you know, it would have been trouble for me. I, I, the worst thing I had to worry about is coming home, not going to school and getting beat up. It'd be coming home and getting beat up, mm -hmm. and beat up real good, because that would not have been tolerated, and i got to wonder what kind of parents do tolerate that out of their kid, because they got to realize, look... Junior, this may be fun in games and all, uh, but if you keep it up, it's going to diminish your future. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about what are your chances of success in this life as a nigger as compared to what are your chances of success in this life as a white, and these are not racial distinctions. 
These are cultural distinctions. You can assume the system of values the niggers embrace, and if you want, I don't know, you may make a fortune dealing drugs. You may also get shot and killed. All right, by the time you're 16, hard to say what's going to happen. On the other hand, you can embrace that white system of values, and you have at least an increased probability that you may prosper and do well in this world. Ah, but to you the also, limit of your natural ability. But you doesn't also, mean you're going to be a rocket science or a or a neurosurgeon or something. But if you got if you've got some reasonable ability and you're willing to work, you got a shot. If you're white, willing not, to work. Wait a minute. See, now there's a drawback for a lot of people. Willing Does that affect your ability, uh, or as a, as opposed to willing to collect welfare? Right now, walking See, down to the, the post office, <laughs> willing to walk down to the post office and willing to go to work every day are two different things. See, willing to bum a ride to the post office. Right, right, right. <laughs> Even walking to the post office—that's a little bit white. Yeah. Um, it may be a willingness to hijack somebody's car there you go, to the post <laughs> and get a ride to the post office to collect your welfare check. Yeah, because you it's, know. It, you know, and that's the whole thing. People, uh, okay, I, we went out to, because uh, the Olive Garden is having a never-ending pasta bowl. We went there, and I know the manager there, right? Yeah. And we sit down, and he always comes over and, and, and talks, you know, as much as he can without, you know neglecting the other people and he comes over and the first thing he says to me I don't say a word to him he comes over and he goes we're in big trouble <laughs> I said what do you mean we and he says oh, he says he says the younger people he says they just don't know how to work and he goes I understand and then he said and I'm talking 30 and under and yes. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I've, I've experienced this myself. And we, you know, c- talked about it from there on. But, you see, it's not just alternative radio conspiracy nut talk show hosts that are noticing there's a problem. Yeah. You know, a, a societal problem that, like, what are we going to do here in 20 years when they're in charge and they can't do anything? Well, we'll have, we will have resorted to cannibalism long before they're in charge. <laughs> okay, well. We will have called <laughs> the herd. I'm going to write a book on the proper preparation of human flesh oh, for uh, dinner, lunch, and breakfast. Well, you know that... They, Thinking about it. I'm not necessarily going to write it, but it's crossing on my mind. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny you mention it. Get ready. That. There'll be a market for it in the next few years. Well, it might not even be that long, because uh, just the other day I was I, I opened up the computer to look for news and what do i see human dna found in hot dogs yeah so hey you know we might already be cannibals yeah i understand that well it may be that the parts planned parenthood whatever they don't sell individually yeah, goes to oscar parts, meyer maybe they're just selling it to oscar meyer <laughs> run it through the grinder man and it's not a small thing i mean i've heard these kinds of reports in the past that whole idea of eating human flesh, this is forbidden in the Bible. Oh, way forbidden, yeah. I understand that. You, Yeah, you want to eat animals, fine, but you can't eat people. No, 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 no. Cannibalism is no small thing. People are made in God's image. And that being the case, you cannot just say, oh, let's you know, send me a drumstick or something. Yeah. This is a crime, and it's a kind of blasphemy against God, in my opinion. Because we are made in God's image, according to the the system of values, the white system of values, that we can trace back to the Bible. 
Oh, yeah, it's a big-time bad thing. I mean, uh, on... And I don't think it happens by accident. No, I don't either, and that's the whole thing, you know. It's just, to me, anyway, it's just one more little piece of evidence that there is, in fact, a spiritual war Yeah. at the foundation of everything we're witnessing. Yep. You know, I mean... Hard to see, hard to believe, sounds like crazy talk to the average person when you first hear it. But you watch it long enough, and it's... You begin to see, you know, I, this does walk like does walk like yeah. a duck. It quacks like a duck. You know, and then you go look in the Bible and you look around and you're going, man. You know, and yeah, not everything has been fulfilled yet, but a lot of things have, and yeah. and a lot of things are right now, right around us. And it's like, whoa, it wasn't like this 20 years ago. It wasn't yeah. like this 30 years ago. Uh, this is new. You know, and. And not good either, but it's it's, you know, twenty years ago you'd go, oh well, that's impossible. That would never happen. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah. Well, here it is. You know, some of those things are happening right now. I mean, you look at the artificial intelligence. You look at the uh, military. Uh, you know, their industrial complexes. You know, they're they're they can't go fast enough to get robots out into the battlefield. Plus the genetic changes. Yeah, there are. You know, a steady stream of reports which might be real, and some of them might be real, and some of them might be hoaxes, I don't know, but of attempts to combine the genetics of animals and, or whatever, and people. It's happening with food. Yeah. I mean, they're using a pork gene, and I knew this 15 years ago at least, maybe more, maybe 20. They were inserting a pork gene, a, a gene from pigs, into tomatoes mm-hmm. in order to prevent them from spoiling. Right. Right? Well, this can't be good news for people at Jewish persuasion, for <laughs> example, or the Muslims who say, well, we're not supposed to eat pork. <laughs> now no, can you yeah, eat a tomato that's got a pork gene in it? I don't know. Well, well and it has to be 95% pork to be prohibited or 50% <laughs> or 10% or one gene in a, you know, a couple thousand? I don't know. Well, what's but your I view don't... on people dogs? People dogs? Hot oh. dogs. With people, yeah, you know, I get you know, it. You know, I mean, yeah, I get it. Jeez. I mean, <laughs> you know, and it's funny because like 10, 15 years ago, I was reading a story about where they were crossing a goat with a spider yep. so that they could milk silk out of its yep. udders rather than milk. Yeah, I understand that. You know, that's, that's, that's mad true, scientist That's a stuff. true story, and they're doing that. Yeah, that's, that's mad that, that's scientist. That's mad scientist stuff. I understand you know that that's that really is mad scientist horror movie. That's you know, what we right know there. about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, here comes the goat, and he's just going to come up. And next thing you know, <laughs> you're wrapped up in a spider web and you can't move. Yeah, and he'll be and talking the goat to you. Now going to try to suck the blood out of you while you're caught in his spider web. And yeah, this is unusual behavior for a goat. But once you start mixing genes, you know. Yeah, and while he's doing that, he's probably telling you, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. wow, this goat yeah, right. talk, it's a talking goat. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, talking spider goat that's going to kill me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sick. And plus, you know, this was 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Things progress. And there's things happening right now that we don't even hear about. I mean, I'm going to assume that there are things that are actually hearing. We get a few rumors. We get a few reports. I'm going to guess that there are things happening at different places on Earth where God only knows what's being produced. 
what are the consequences of all of this? And not only what are the consequences, when will some of these creatures be released into the wild? Yeah. And then, all right. You know, on one level, you could take a little, a little satisfaction, security, whatever, find a little cause for security. If you were absolutely certain that whatever they were creating was not going to get loose. But who believes that? Yeah. I mean, you know, if these, you're creating living entities, they want to be free. I don't care if they're viruses. They want to run free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost certainly, it's a virtual certainty, somebody's going to make a little mistake or somebody is just going to say, wouldn't this be funny? You know? Um and they're going to release that thing. It's going to go home in somebody's lunch pail. And next thing you know, uh-oh, we've got a problem here, and we've never seen the problem before. I wonder well, what it could be. You know, you, I'm sure you've read, you know, from time to time, you see these stories, people say, you know, they saw weird things in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that could be what it is. Some got out, started breeding or didn't breed, and it's just out there, and somebody saw it and said, whoa, you know, what's this? Like... Oh, well, how long's Bigfoot been? You know, hey, there's a Bigfoot out there. Well, what if that was some experiment gone bad or escaped, you know, and uh, they just couldn't get him back in or it back in, whatever. And people, you know, from time to time would see it. I mean, anything, it's all possible, which is really kind of spooky. And not only see it, but live to report it. Yeah, yeah. It's like seeing Jaws. In the movie Jaws, some people saw it and lived to report it. Other people, they saw it too, but they didn't live to report Jaws. Yeah, you know? true. I don't. I mean, this is a this is a strange, a strange thread that we're exploring right here, and a little bit extreme, and it sounds a little bit crazy to some people. I understand that, but I think part of the lesson in all of this is that we're happening. We're we're living in a time. When extraordinary, crazy, irrational, dangerous things can be happening, yeah. and probably are right now. Well, that's what I was just going to say. It's ab- it is it is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but it's also going on. Yeah, I know. You know, and that's even more crazy. It'd be one you know, thing I- if I was just out of my mind telling crazy stories, going, hey, yeah, I think this is all real, and I'm insane. You know, the, okay, fine, that makes me insane. But who's insane when it's actually happening? You know, uh, the world has the world gone completely mad? I mean, is that what it is? Well, there's some uh, I don't know if it's gone completely mad, but there's a kind of madness that's out there. We're doing things that were only imaginable. We got that Frankenstein thing going on. I don't know, that goes back in the late 1800s, I think. I'm not sure when I don't remember her name, Shelley some woman Mary named, Shelley or something. I don't know. Somebody, she wrote Frankenstein, if I understand correctly, and I might not. But I think it goes back into the late 1800s. This could be imagined, but it couldn't be done. There were natural limits on what man could do that we had not yet begun to exceed. But in more recent times, we've acquired a level of knowledge that allows us to do things that were virtually unimaginable. Really, when I was just a kid. And it's not just a situation where, gee, they've invented a new hypersonic airplane. What will they think of next? No. What will they think of next hour? Mm-hmm. Right? 
Not what will they think of in three years or five years. What are they going to think of in the next 60 minutes? And then the next 60 after that, and the 30 after that, and the 5 after that. It's moving so fast, no one really knows what all is going on. And that, 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 that goes to a kind of chaos. Nobody really gets it. What is, what's happening? We can talk about it here. It's pure speculation on one level. And is it a good thing to have a society, a culture, whatever, where things are moving so fast that nobody's, nobody understands what's happening, nobody's really in control? Maybe I could put a couple of genetic, I could splice some genes into the cat, all right? And the next thing you know, I've got a cat that walks around the house licking up all the dust. Yeah. I don't need a vacuum cleaner anymore. We've got cats that will clean the floor and clean the walls, whatever. I mean, is this a good idea? Can I get rich doing this? Let's take a shot. Who knows? Maybe the world is eager for a cat that will clean the house. <laughs> well, I uh, could get rich. I looked this up, and it's uh, it's actually 1818. Early. Yeah, when Frankenstein, and, and it, I didn't know this, uh, and, and it was Mary Shelley, but yeah. um, the full name of her book was Frankenstein, semicolon, or, comma, the modern Prometheus. Okay. I had no idea that was the full title of that book, but 1818, so a long time that. ago. Yeah, I know. It's got to be at least 50 years. You know, so this was going through people's minds. <laughs> Even well, it is interesting yeah. because you got that Prometheus thing. It has been going on in people's minds. The whole idea of Prometheus goes back. Um, the uh, Greek mythology. Yeah. All right, so it's got to go back a couple thousand years, where Prometheus, if I recall correctly, didn't he bring fire to mankind? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, Greek mythology, best known as the deity in Greek mythology, who was the creator of mankind. And Prometheus is the creator? Yeah. Uh, is a titan in Greek mythology, best known as the deity in Greek mythology, who was the creator of mankind and its greatest benefactor, who gifted mankind with the fire stolen from Mount Olympus. Yeah, there it is. That's bringing fire to mankind. I agree with that. And, I, you know, they were concerned. On the one hand, it's, it's kind of reassuring. Mary Shelley was concerned, and others at the time were concerned that the advance in knowledge, which they were concerned about apparently even... 200 years ago, they were concerned about the advance in knowledge and that people would do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, with that, and, and it wasn't all that stupid as near as I can see. I mean, we didn't instantly, it didn't happen. They were worried about it in a way that I may be worried about it today. And they didn't come to a bad end. Frankenstein was a threat, but Frankenstein apparently was not real. And therefore, we, we can still have a happy ending on this thing. So maybe the same thing is true today, and maybe concerns of the sort we've been exploring in the last 15 minutes or so on this program was concerns about advanced levels of knowledge. Maybe we don't need to be concerned any more than Mary Shelley needed to be concerned about Frankenstein, but... Yeah, but... See, back but I think Mary Shelley had an interesting in imagination. 
And you and I have access to some interesting rumors. Yeah, and the uh, thing well, is, the what point no- is, there is maybe some truth behind our rumors where her imagination was, she knew that. You know, yeah, sci-fi. And, and, and back in 1818, there was also a restraining of, you know, people's morality that I don't think we have anymore. Yeah, I know. You see, and that's well, the real danger with, it's not so much knowledge, it's your morality. Uh, because, oh, you I know, agree. that whole, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Well, if you don't have any morals, anything you can do, you will do. You know, those morals you're talking about are part of the cultural values that right. I'm talking about when I say white, right. black, nigger, and so on. Cultural okay. values. Right? And you don't have them, then what do you, how do you guide yourself? Yeah. By how much money can you make? So, you see, you have these white guys wearing white jackets, calling themselves scientists, coming up with every kind of crackpot nutcase idea there is, mm-hmm. putting insecticides in our food and all this other thing. You know, making goats, milk, silk, and all these other crazy things they're doing. Okay, well, they obviously don't have any morals, or they have some real distorted morals. Just as much as the black guy down on the street of Chicago on a Saturday night decides, Hey, bang, I'm shooting that guy, because I don't care. I don't have any morals, and I don't care. You know, I'm doing it, because uh, my buddies over here will make me part of the group, and... Hey, we can make money. We can do whatever. Uh, you know, I don't care. And that's the whole thing. It's not just them. It's not just the lowest of the low on the streets of Chicago or New York or whatever. It's also these guys wearing these white jackets, calling themselves scientists, and the politicians up there taking bribes and doing whatever and selling us out and ruining the whole, you know, everybody's lives, the future of the children, you know, that they say they care so much about. They're ruining their future, and they're doing it. Because they don't care. They don't have any morals restraining them from what they're doing. Well, one of the things they're probably missing is the idea that there's anything after this life. I mean, one of the foundations, one of the corners, the A cornerstone, if not the cornerstone of Christendom and or the white culture is the idea if you maintain, if you, if you live a good life, you get another one that's even better. These people behave as if, when they say, I don't care, they don't care whether they live, they die, they don't care if other people die, or at least they claim that, and then presumably they don't care whether there's a heaven or hell. And it's this failure to care about your future. Um, That's part and parcel of what I would say is the nigger culture. It's all about right now. If I can get something right now, get it. Get it. If I can just have sex with some woman right now, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Don't give me any lip right now. Right? You don't... And, you know, one of the things I've learned over time, I read a, uh, I read a, I read a, uh, a novel that made instant sense to me. It was a police crime story novel. And one police officer was explaining to someone else what's the fundamental characteristic of people who go to prison. And I've said I probably said this before. Do you remember? Do you know? Oh, uh, I you know, I rec- I remember you saying that, but I can't remember what the primary poor impulse control. Ah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's what it's all about. I don't care. 
Okay, I don't care about the future. I don't care about next week or tomorrow or an hour from now. I'm going to do what I want to do right now because for no reason other than I just want to do it. And I don't care if it's dangerous. I don't care if it's suicidal. I don't care if it's contrary to my own interest. I don't care. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing, which incidentally, it's also one of the themes for Satanists. Yeah, it is. Motto, do what thou wilt. Yep. Meaning, whatever you feel like feels good, do it. Whatever. If you feel like doing it, do it. Don't worry about it. It's part of this business. It compares to the white culture, which is sitting back and saying, well, I better not do this or I'm going to be in big trouble with the good Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it doesn't mean that we not, it doesn't mean that the, because you're white, you're not a sinner or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to get to. Because we know what white, black, or whatever, we're all sinners. Uh-huh. But the white culture encourages people to be inhibited. The psychiatrists say, "Oh, we got too many got too many inhibitions. You need to let it all hang out." Really? Do we really need to let it all hang out? Because a lot of it really isn't that good for the rest of the world. If I'm going to do everything I just feel like doing, is that really going to serve my neighbors in a meaningful way, or is it going to expose them to dangers, violence, whatever? Well, you know, a lot of people think, well, and, and, you know, in a lot of ways I can agree, and then I have to always say, yeah, but, and that's where they go, oh, you're just a you know, religious nut or something. But... They argue that, well, you know, it's really not uh, this or that. It's just humanism's not good or bad. It's just that, you know, do what you want as long as you don't, you know, mess with anybody else. Well, that's liberty. But, you know, this country was founded on personal liberty that basically, yeah, you can do anything you want as long as you're not interfering with somebody else. And as long as you're prepared to to accept personal responsibility well, sure. for your liberty. That's the flip side. I mean, you can't just go out and do anything you want. All right? You've got to assume, okay, I get to do a lot of things, and nobody can stop me as long as I am responsible for making sure that I don't do something that hurts somebody else. If I hurt right. someone else, I'm liable. Well, sure. That's what I mean. You know, as long as you don't mess with anybody else, you can do anything yeah. you want. But, see, the Christian culture added to that added another layer, saying, well, okay, so I'm alone at home, and, you know, basically I can do anything I want inside this house because there's nobody else here, and, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not interfering with anybody's rights. I'm not damaging anything. I'm, you know, I can do what I want. But, ooh, wait <laughs> Until a minute. mom and dad come home. I'm not really alone because God is on his throne. Yeah. And, uh, well, I better not do some things that I was thinking about because, you know, he'll know. Mm-hmm. So there's that added layer, which that added layer has been, for the most part, and, you know, there's still a lot of people, you know, that... Who don't hold, care. Well, there's a lot of people that do hold Christian values, but not as many as there used to be. And it's not, it doesn't seem to be a part of our national character anymore. I agree with that. You know, and and that it, is just one layer gone, and what's going to be the next layer gone? Well, hey... Streets of Chicago every weekend. What twenty, forty people shot every weekend? Yeah. You know, uh, and who are they shot? Black each people other. shot. Shot by who? Black shot people. by niggers. Yeah. Shot by who? People who don't. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Niggers don't care. And these at the same time, they say, "Oh, but Black Lives Matter." They don't matter to niggers. I guarantee you, there's more blacks being shot and killed by niggers than there are being shot and killed by white people. 
Well, I I I have to agree with that, and everybody everybody all the statistics show black on black crime is what they call it. You know, is 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 the major crime against blacks? Yeah, and yet, who complains? Well, that must who in the black community complains about this? Well, nobody because my oh my God, some white guy shot some black guy. That's caused to burn a city down. Well, it's all because my sixty blacks shoot sixty sixty (laughs) niggers shoot sixty blacks. No problem. Uh, just another day at the races. Well, yeah, I'm no sure it's my fault because my grandparents never owned slaves, and they, they should have, so they could be blamed. Mm-hmm. Well, they say they didn't, but we know that actually they did. Well, they must They're have. They're just saying that to try to cover their, cover their backsides because they didn't want to admit they're responsible. Now you are saying you and your ancestors never owned slaves. Again, this is just... Because you've been white, I assume you're white. I haven't seen you. You're not the black guy you talk. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Cool <laughs> it sounds tonight. white, but we can. All right. Um, I, <laughs> for what it's worth, I may have mentioned it before, but I'm second generation removed from slaves. Mm-hmm. My grandparents on my father's side were Russian czar, were Russian serfs. All right, property of the czar, slaves. All right, I'm only two generations removed from slavery. And that's why I want you to send me some money, Frank. Yeah, well, yeah. Because it's been tough dealing with the discrimination, the legacy of slavery. It's just, it's just been appalling. I know. So I need some money. Somebody send me something. Because I had some ancestors who were slaves. It's a generational wound. (laughs) You know, it becomes one of these things where, big damn deal. The truth of the matter is, I doubt that any of us truly have a heritage where somewhere, sometime, some of our ancestors were not slaves and some of our other ancestors weren't slave owners. So what? All right? Get over it. All right? We move on with our lives. Oh, my God, my grandmother and grandfather were slaves when they were younger and their ancestors. So what? Big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, they need you know, to. You know what? They need to look in the mirror and be more concerned with who's a slave right now. I understand because that. If and you're who waiting, is imposed? Who is trying to be a slave master? Sure. Who's trying to enforce? Who's trying to enforce affirmative action in the fight against slavery? Who's trying to enforce affirmative action? Yeah. Which is, in large regard, a way of imposing slavery on the white community, or at least the Caucasian community, for their ancestral offenses against the Negro community. And then you get into the question of who's black. Well, who's, who's a Negro? For example, ask. is Barack Obama Negro or is he white? He let had a white mother and a black father. What me, is he, white or black? Let me ask you a legal theory question. You have now, to call my 900 number. <laughs> for well, the Constitution specifically says there will be no corruption of blood. Yep. Which means people cannot be held responsible for their ancestors or their relatives' crimes. Yep. Isn't affirmative action a violation of that constitutional provision? It depends on what section of the Constitution it's in. Huh? Is the prohibition against corruption of blood, is it found in Article 1? Oh, Do you I, recall what I don't know. I don't know where it's at. I could look it up. It'll take me a moment to look it up. But here's where I'm going with that. Corruption of blood may be forget, may be forbidden within uh, within the states of the union. All right, 
because Article One specifies the limited powers of the federal government within the within the uh, within the states of the union. But Article Four, Section Three, Clause Two says Congress can do anything it wants in the territories. So where I'm going with this is while corruption of blood, you can argue that it's 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 unconstitutional. Um, okay, it's at uh, Article Article Five. It is. Yep. Uh, well, then, then I'm... Five, provides no person shall be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime unless presentment of indictment, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, no attainder of service in time of war, public danger, declared no attainder of uh, treason shall work, corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. So, you know, I mean... Okay, but what is that saying? Now, I'm looking... I, I haven't seen the section. Is there, Are you sure this is Article 5 you're reading? It says. Okay, then I'll take your word for it. Here's my point. Article 5 starts out, Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution. Mm-hmm. Article 5 is about restricting the ability of Congress to propose amendments I would my first my first guess would be just a guess is that article 5 is about restricting the ability of Congress to propose amendments that would impose oh, a, a an, I'm sorry <laughs> I think it's article uh yeah article 3 section 3 okay That's all right I didn't is. see it in article 5 I was trying to scan yeah, through I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I was, mm-hmm. I don't know why they say Article 5. I guess that's the see, infamous see, you, got that, you got this dyslexic thing right. going on here. But it also says here that the Constitution of Pennsylvania, which is a little, uh, a little clearer and a little shorter with it, it says that, quote, no attainder shall work corruption of blood. Now, an attainder is like involuntary servitude, right? Attainder of treason is what it says. In the Constitution right. of the United States, Article 3, Section 3, Clause 2, no attainder of treason okay. shall work corruption of blood. Well, Pennsylvania right. just says no attainder. Okay, well... That, Maybe it means the same, but it doesn't say the Maybe same. they just ran out of ink. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it shall... It gets, it, it, gets, it gets tiresome pushing those damn quill pens around and dipping in, getting more ink. And words. Slobbering dots all over everything, you know... It's, it's hard work to be a scribe back in those days. Uh, Must have been very disappointing uh, if they ever realized nobody's actually going to pay attention to their words later on. And li- you know, well, later on. you know, I think Franklin, if I recall correctly, he's the one. Somebody asked him what kind of what kind of government have, have we have you given us? Yeah, said a republic if you can keep it. Yeah, and that you know that tends to lead me to think that he kind of knew. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, you know, I know you people. You're gonna, yeah, exactly. He yeah, was you're not gonna do wary it. from the beginning. These dummies will never hold it together. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's like putting the chimp in charge of the space capsule. Yeah, I don't think this thing is gonna land properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we can he get him up knew. there, but if the chimp's gotta land this thing, we're gonna we're in for some, in for some trouble. Uh, I so. think they. I think he knew. Uh, you know, and if that was about the Constitution, and he had reason to be weary because they went from the Articles of Confederation, which was a very loose association of the states. 
you know, there was no big powerful federal government in that. And and then they did this for whatever reasons, and uh, I think a lot of them were leery. But I also, you know, from from reading about that that period of time, and the only reason I ever did was because I was shocked when I first learned of the Articles of Confederation. I'm like, Mm. what? What do you mean we had a... And then I started going, well, 1776, oh yeah, 1780, oh yeah, that's that's a bunch of years. What were they doing? They were doing this, and it's like, wow. And then to find out there's like 12 presidents before, you know, Washington. Yeah. But so, I, you know, I read about Presidents of what? Presidents of, of the United, United States, States of, America of America. In Congress assembled. Yeah. That, well, was his com- that was his complete title under the articles. The president? The president? Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's right. President of the United States of America in Congress assembled was his his whole title. I'm yeah. gonna have to. That's just something I'm going to have to look at and read. Yeah, uh, it's true. Think and, about the rest of that sort of thing. You know, so but, I looked at that and I was like, wow, okay. So I read a lot about it, and and you know, not just about okay the secret proceedings of the Constitutional Convention, very interesting and all that, but there was also other things going on politically and, you know, in society at the time. They had just driven the British from the land, but the British got done with France and uh, Spain and decided, oh, okay, we're blockading the United States of America now. Are you talking about the War of 1812? No, before that. Okay. You know, before that, between... The Articles of Confederation and the Constitution. This is why I believe Hamilton was a major pusher, because he worked for the banks, the Bank of England. And the thing mm-hmm. is, I think they made a deal, because England said, you know what, we're going to strangle you. And the the Confederacy had problems, because you know how people are. They go to the shelves, and they don't have all that stuff that they're used to having. They start grumbling. They start getting upset and seeing as how there was only anywhere from 3 to 5% of the people involved in the revolution in the first place. You know, you've got, what, 90% of the population sitting back going, hey, where's my stuff? You yeah. know, this wasn't my deal. This isn't what I signed. As a matter of fact, I didn't sign up for anything. You know, I don't want to. I want, A. I might want to be, uh, you know, back with England. I mean, if we can have our stuff. And they had that going on because England was blockading the United States of America, uh, you know. And, uh, well, they didn't have any troops on the ground, but we were having trouble getting goods from England. And at the time, the United States was not self-sufficient. We were shipping raw materials to Europe. They were manufacturing them and sending them back. That's how that deal was going, and that wasn't happening anymore. So I believe the Constitution was the, uh, a deal made between the Bank of England and, you know, the leaders here through Alexander Hamilton. And that's, you know, what I've, what I've, you know, put together from what I've read. So, you know, to, to have a little, well, a republic if you can keep it, yeah. because any deal is like, no, wait a minute, we just beat you, we're not going to give up anything. Well, okay, let's put a few little loopholes in here. Yeah, yeah, how much money you got for me? I mean, this is the same thing. Every one of our congressmen and senators will tell you they're a patriot, but they're selling this country down the river on a regular basis with laws they pass that they don't even read. Yeah, yeah. Why do they pass them? Somebody gave somebody some money. Yep. 
Uh, and it's been that way since time began. This sure. isn't new. This isn't a new process. This was going on in Rome where, I don't know if it was Cicero or who it was, said, you know, a traitor is more to be feared than a, than, than a, uh, a foreign army approaching the gates because a traitor is on, inside, on the inside and he can demoralize the nation in a way that outside adversaries, they may galvanize your patriotism. Exactly. It's the traitor, uh, and it's true. It's true for thousands of years. There's no exception to it. I doubt if there's ever been a country that fell without being pushed from the inside, um, sure. either by stupidity or outright or just greed and ambition or outright malice. I don't know what you know, but we fall from within. The outside forces we can deal with, but the inside forces, that's where we get paralyzed. Yeah. We look at someone in Congress. We look at someone in the Senate, someone in the White House, and they say pretty words to us. And again, we're back to that business about, you know, sincerity is the key to the whole thing. Once you can fake that, you got it made. They can fake it. And we trust them. And we say, okay, okay, President Obama says change we can believe in. We're going to trust him. John Boehner says uh, this, that, or the other, and we can trust him. Yeah, between tears. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you know, he's so sincere. Oh, man. Now, yeah. You know, I was looking at these. Uh, no, I, I, I'm I, looking at the time, and Jesus, it's gone fast. And I'm, I've had this open over here, and I thought this was really interesting that I read what you sent in the email about a comment from your blog here. Yeah. Uh, All right, we can. We got twenty minutes left. We can get into that, or most of twenty minutes, fifteen anyway. I this thought it was the, really interesting. Well, I agree. I agree, and there's a lot of insight here, or at least cause for, you know, saying, "Hmm, isn't that interesting?" The comment someone posted this following comment on my blog, and he said, "I have seen this excerpt posted before on this Alfred Addis Law blog." And several uh, before and several times. But maybe I'm seeing and understanding something different than you see. And here's the comment. Here's the quote. One sentence that is allegedly coming from a, from a, uh, a, a federal court case, not at the Supreme Court, but at, uh, four, at 545 Sup 179. And the case is U.S. versus Slater from 1982. And the case... What's in quotes in the case says, unless the defendant can prove he is not a citizen of the United States, the IRS has the right to inquire and determine a tax liability, right, period, end of, end of statement. Unless the defendant can, how do you prove a negative? Right. Right. How do you prove... I mean, can I? Can any one of you prove that you're not actually one of the space aliens running around as one of the reptilians? Can you prove you're not the guy on the grassy knoll who shot John Kennedy? You can't prove a negative. And this whole idea, unless you can prove he's not a citizen of the United States, the IRS has the right to inquire and determine a tax liability. Now, someone inserted the following phrase in here. It says, Unless a defendant, the court case allegedly says, unless the defendant can prove he is not a citizen of the United States, the IRS has the right to inquire and determine a tax liability. 
But somebody inserted the following phrase, and I'll insert, read it with the insertion. Unless a defendant can prove he is not a citizen of the United States, and then the insertion is under Title VIII, the United States Code, Section 1401, and not the Constitution. Well, the fact that somebody inserted that is, does not mean the insertion is accurate or it's, or it's something you can rely on. That's somebody's opinion, all right? But it is interesting when they say, not a citizen of the United States, which United States are they talking about, first off? All right? Well, yeah. The court case, at least in the, the one sentence we're reading, it doesn't say which United States. There are three United States in Hooven versus Allison, Hooven and Allison versus Evett case from about 1948 or thereabouts. I don't remember when that case was decided. There are three there. There's a United States in the 14th Amendment that's different from the United States in the 13th Amendment. And there is citizen of the United States. The phrase appears in the body of the Constitution of the United States, and it has to mean citizen of several United States, in my opinion. So we've got a situation here. First off, how do you prove you're not a citizen of which United States? Well, Judge, would you tell me which United States you're talking about? Well, and, and the insertion in there is <laughs> because I, my understanding, and I, I researched this because of John McCain. Okay, he was the one. It wasn't Barack Obama, it was McCain that I really got into this. And the thing is, if any of this 8 U.S.C. 1401 or anything in the U.S. Code concerning nationalization and, uh, you know, naturalization or uh, nationals and citizens of the United States at birth, yep, all of that. Now, nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. See, that's a really strange thing right there, because 8 U.S.C. used to say for one term of Congress, a natural-born citizen rather than United States, a citizen of the United States at birth. And they changed it, and they only changed that, because my... Say it again. Say okay, it again. You know how the say what it originally said... What did they change it to? It's, it originally said what the Constitution says as a natural-born citizen. And it, it only lasted in the code one term of Congress, two years. And then they changed it to this, citizens Nationals of the United States. Nationals citizens of the United States. The, um, the thing is, see, the Constitution creates a natural-born citizenship. And it's natural-born. There is no legislation. It's natural. You just are. Nobody has to write a law. Nobody has to make a regulation. You just are. You're just naturally a citizen. You just are. Of what? Citizen of, of the what? United States of America, because that's what you're was there. Your citizen of your state of the union would right. be my my. All right, if you're born within sure. the borders of the state of Texas, you're going to be a citizen of the state of Texas as an act of birth. That's all it takes. Sure, I think. Yeah, and, and as a citizen of the state, you were also considered a citizen of the United States of America through your state citizenship, not on its own. The 14th Amendment created a, a shortcut, basically. You know, you don't have to be a citizen of a state. You can yeah. just be citizen of the United States. But right. what's the difference? Why? What? When you were born within a state of the Union prior to the 14th Amendment, I'm going to guess 
that you were a citizen of that state. Yep. What do you suppose might have been the distinguishing factor of that citizenship? Might be that you were domiciled there. But when we talk about the 14th Amendment, it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the state of that of the state of the United excuse me of the United States and the state wherein they reside. Those 14th Amendment citizens are residents. Right, reside. Right? Um, rather than being domiciled, perhaps. You know, that's the long shot. That well, the key word, the, 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 the root word of resident is reside. Yeah. You know, so yeah, if you reside, you are a resident. And the other thing, on this Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1401, well, a couple of things. First... The following says the following shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. That statement at least implies that nationals of the United States and citizens of the United States are two synonymous concepts. Doesn't say that necessarily, but it implies that. And the reason that's important is because there's some people that are arguing that the secret to escaping the liabilities of being a citizen of the United States is to claim to be a national. I don't think Maybe so. not. Maybe not. The other thing is they have A, B, C, D, E, F, no, E, G, um, and H. They have, I don't know what that works out to, maybe eight separate sections, and almost every one of them starts out with a person they're describing who will be a national and citizen of the United States. Mm -hmm. A person born. A person born. Yep. A person of unknown parentage is one exception. A person born. 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 That tells me this whole thing is about your birth. And that tells us that the great significance of this 18 U.S.C. 1401, who is a citizen and or national in the United States, it goes to your birth and whatever evidence there is of your birth. Right? Which tells us that the birth certificate is potentially big trouble. Yeah. Whatever's going on with your birth, it has to be controlled in a way to prevent them from making the assumption that you're a citizen of the United States. It, it, it suggests that if your birth can, the circumstances of your birth, if you can make an argument, if you can provide evidence that I was born within a state of the Union, rather that is to say within the United States of America, rather than within the United States, maybe you've got an argument that can well, save you some aggravation. One thing I believe is that, and, and I don't just believe this because I woke up and you know, thought, oh, I believe that now. I, I actually did a lot of studying on this, and what I believe is that, for, okay, one thing I know, if you claim any of these things under any of these legislative acts for your, you know, citizenship status, you are a naturalized citizen. You are not natural-born even if you were born here, if you claim any of these as, yeah, that's me, that's me right there, well, then you give up that natural born, and you take on citizen of the United States at birth, and it's not the same. 
it's naturalization. And the reason it has to be naturalization is because Congress only has the authority of naturalization. The Constitution Where? holds natural born. And it just, that is a constitutional provision right there. It is not legislative. That's to be President of the United States. Is that where you find that right, reference? Right, that right. Reference? Yep. yep. All right. You know, and this is different. Citizens of the United States at birth. Okay, well, obviously, yeah, that, you yeah. cannot be a natural born citizen of a fiction. And if the United States is what I think it is, which is nothing but a corporation of some sort or another, you can't be a natural-born citizen of a corporation. Probably so. I mean, how can you? You can't. Well, it's one of the things. It's one born. of the arguments you're going to want to review, review, try to put the pieces together, and be prepared to argue that I am a natural-born citizen. Right. And what if they said you're not? <laughs> what if they denied that? All right. Uh, well, how do you get around it? You are depriving me of standing to become president of the United States. Yeah, there you go. If you got to be a natural-born citizen to be to be president of the United States, meaning the original non-corporate United States, in my opinion, mm -hmm. at least not corporate in the sense we refer to it today. If you were, if you got to be. A, a citizen, a natural-born citizen, if you say I'm not a natural-born citizen, you are depriving me of my right to run for the presidency. That's true. That's a good one. Yeah. And I think it's a real good you one. You know, and another bit of evidence here that I look at to say that, okay, first of all, it says United States. Uh, to me, that is not the United States of America. It's a fiction. Uh, citizens in smaller case, at birth, they're trying to simulate natural. And the thing is, you can't there's nothing natural about a fiction, okay? It's just, it's a make-believe thing. You can't have something natural mixed with something made up, you know, an imaginary thing on paper that's a concept, you know? But if they say, do you have a birth certificate, well, and you yeah, produce you one, what does that birth certificate do? If it's issued by the government? Well, it would seem to evidence that you are, in fact, the uh, or you created a, a straw man to operate in the corporation. Well, the one thing it seems to me is that it, they're, they're, this thing focuses on being born. Right. And I think you're right about the idea that naturalized is not naturally born. Naturalized includes something that provides evidence that you are within the United States rather than ex rather than outside of it. Right. Um, I think that your birth certificate, the modern state-issued birth certificate, which I think is coming from a, a state of the United States, an administrative mm -hmm. district, a territory of the United States, I think that birth certificate may be the primary means by which you are naturalized. Hmm. All right? Maybe. Or yeah, maybe it's naturalization just a, certificate. It might be. Now, of course, read it, and if you read it properly and you get the idea, assuming the idea of two venues, United States versus the United States of America, assuming that venue is true, it may be that your official birth certificate, even if it says Dallas, Texas on it, or the county of Dallas, Texas, or whatever, maybe that all signals that you were born in the jurisdiction of the United States. That's and what if you were to say... 
you know, somebody says, well, I, we have your birth certificate right here, and they hold it up, and then you go, that's not me. Yeah. Prove it's me. Well, that's, this is where we get tricked into supplying the evidence. Right, yeah, bringing your own, birth certificate. Right? We'll, need, we'll need some identification. Yeah, sure. You have a driver's license? Well, yes, I do. Yeah, does the driver's license require a birth certificate before you can get one? I think so. I think now, the modern know, does. Now, now. I think the modern does. Yeah, nowadays you've got to have all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I understand, and a lot of it is going to trace back. Somebody's got to show a birth certificate. Well, I know you got to have a birth get certificate. that identification. So if you've got the driver's license, the inference was you must have a birth certificate issued by the United States or a state of the United States or an agency of the United States, and therefore you're one of these citizens of the United States. Well, and another bit of evidence in here is everything they, they refer to is a person, a person, yeah, a yeah. person, a person. Yeah. Well, everywhere else in the code, a person is described as a corporation. Yep. And there's another one, another argument. Um, no, I'm not a person. What do I tell people at the beginning of every one of these programs? Yeah, exactly. I'm a man made in God's image. Is there anything in title, uh, whatever it is, Nine, eight, whatever it is, 14, section fourteen oh one that refers to a man made in God's image as a citizen of the United States. Nope, I don't think there is. And if I walk in, and I say I'm a man made in God's image, and I can point to Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight and explain it's a fundamental principle, my mind's second most important principle in the faith. Right, number one, God created the heavens and the earth, as per Genesis one one. And that tells us that he owns the whole thing as creator. That's what makes him God. All right, there could be big people sitting on big, big thrones in other parts of the world and the universe and whatever. That doesn't make him God. It's the act of creation that makes him God. Um, and, and the word God and creator are essentially synonymous. The creator owns whatever he creates. I've talked about it before on the program. Uh, we see the same thing in patent law, copyright law. The creator owns what he's invented, what he's created. That principle is still here today. And that's the first principle. Second one, man and man alone is the only species made in God's image. And that means we can't be animals. And you can't murder us under Genesis 9-6. Why is murder a crime? Because we're made in God's image. We can kill cows and sheep and pigs and goats. What? They're not made in God's image. You can't lawfully kill a man because it's murder. What's the problem? Because he's made in God's image. I am an image of God. You are an image of God. Everyone listening to this program, if you're a Christian and, and or a Jew, you are deemed to be an image of God. And we have to preserve those images. That's the idea behind this. If you are going to treat me as a person, and you are going to deprive me of my right to appear in the standing of a man made in God's image, and I've got a First Amendment says I have freedom of religion. Uh, they can't impose a, um, I can't think of the proper term, but they can't impose another religion upon me without right. my consent. Uh, the establishment of religion, that's illegal. And I say, look, I'm, a man, I'm not a person. I'm a man made in God's image. They're going to have a difficult time dealing with that argument. I won't say they can't do it, but it's going to be a difficult argument. Well, and yeah, maybe that's one of the things where we can get out from under this stuff. Well, it is. And, you know, they've got problems because they've monkeyed around. They've got a fraud going. Okay? They're, they're deceiving yep. people. And that's their weakness is, is, yep. is, you know, the truth is what they're most scared of. And that's why they're scared of the American people. Because they haven't been, oh, I'm sure they have, but, you know, they haven't, not to the extent 
gone around the world and they haven't lied to the Russians and stolen all their rights and their property. Well, no, we Chinese. steal stuff from them straight up. We we just, we call it war. Yeah. Um, we don't lie to them. We just go in there and kill them and take it. That's all. But with the American people, you got to be a little more circumspect. Yeah. And if we get caught. It could be very bad, you know, and they know yeah. that. And yeah. this is why, oh, man, everything's got to be this. This has got to be secret. That's got to be secret. National security, you know, they're not kidding. They're not kidding. It's national security, all right, but it's not against the Russians or the Chinese. Exactly it's right. The American people not yep. finding out what they've been doing Yep. and what they are doing. It's because the people in government, they understand that the relationship between the American people and the American government is adversarial. Right. It isn't, gee, we're here to help you and we're your benefactors. No, it's adversarial. It is the nature of the relationship. They are our natural enemy. We are their natural enemy. They, we have money. We produce wealth. They want it. They don't <laughs> produce anything. All right. They want what we've got. They want to take it without us getting upset. So we're here to help you. Here, let me carry your wallet. Frank, would you mind? Would you like some help carrying your wallet? We're happy to carry your wallet. How about your checkbook? Do you mind? Would you like us to carry that too? Uh, like you know, candy little girl. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's their whole. And thing. we've been taking it. Yeah, we have. We've been taking that candy, and say, so, oh, yippee! Here comes the candy man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's uh, you and know, a lot more. I gotta say though, I think a lot more people are 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 becoming aware it's like you know my friend who's the uh, manager of a you know uh, a, a food chain you know i mean he's oh my gosh we have we're in trouble that's what he yeah. said we are in trouble yeah you know and that's not oh gee these workers are pissing me off it's no we're in trouble these people are not capable they're not yeah. deliberately making me mad they just they don't know how right they can't yeah. do this terrible it's a terrible disability Last point before we close it down. One of the great blessings of my life is that my father was self, my stepfather was self-employed at an excavation business. I was digging ditches as a kid, operating a backhoe and a caterpillar and, a, and, a, and driving a truck and the rest of that. And we had to run on the job. There was no fooling around. You didn't stand around and goof off. You better be moving. There better not be any. Well, he taught me how to work. Yeah. Right. And that has stood me in good stead. There have been times when I have faced problems. I had no intelligence, no understanding how to get around those problems. All I could do is work my butt off. On one occasion, I had to go 100 hours a week for, I don't know, three, four months. Damn near killed me. Yeah. But I could do it. I knew how to work. Today, kids don't even understand that. No. And therefore, they are in, they are in danger. See, they got they show up at these jobs, and I get their attitude because I, I'm unfortunate enough to have to interact with them when I go to stores sometime. And they're they seem to really truly have the attitude that okay, I'm here, you know, now I'm entitled. I'm entitled. Yep. I'm, I'm yeah, only I'm here to get my entitlement. Yep. The idea of production is is missing. Yep. Frank, we're out of time. We are. We are. We are. I want to thank all you folks for listening to the American Independence Hour. I'm Alfred Ask here with Frank Steffen. We'll be back next Tuesday. Hope you tune in at that time. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Frank. Bye-bye. Good night. From
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Don't like my 
motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. It's about eight and a half minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific Time. 800-932-1980. That's the call-in number. You can also participate in the show by going over to the chat room, which is at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the link. spells out chat. Uh, It looks just like cat, except it's got an H in it. Yeah, you'll find it. And you can also contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. 
My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right, before we get going here, uh, my little light here says I have a caller, so we'll see if I do, in fact, have a caller. Go ahead, caller. Oh, it's Gal Rivens. Okay, I'm not having that. I'm not going to be ambushed tonight. Thank you. We're not doing that. You know, uh, I've had a Reb on from time to time every couple of months, and he comes on for 20 minutes or so and gives a rundown of what, you know, is going on with him, and uh, that's about all I can take. And uh, it's usually prearranged, and I'm not having him just call in like that. So, you know. Anyhow, if you'd like to call in and actually talk about something topical and not just, you know, whatever, uh, give it a call. All right, so here we go. Let's see, uh, what is this? Uh, mm, 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 mm. Campusreform.org has a story here. You're going to like this. You've heard of Vassar College, right? It's the girls' college where it's like, oh, you know, this is big fancy college, right? Big deal. A lot of the leaders have gone there. Well, listen to this. Administrators at Vassar College agreed to personally shred a pocket constitution after an undercover reporter posing as a student complained that she felt triggered by its distribution on campus, while professors at Oberlin College confided that they shared the reporter's misgivings about the founding document. The video is produced by Project Veritas, a nonprofit established uh, by conservative journalist James O'Keefe, and employs a similar style to the undercover Acorn videos that first brought him to prominence. Last week, something kind of happened on campus that kind of really upset me, and I ended up having a panic attack, the reporter tells Vassar College Assistant Director of Equal Opportunity, Kelly Grab. It's just I've been kind of... reporter elaborated my vision went blurry and i just kind of lost control these are the kind of people that schools are going to be catering to you just wait right there darling we're going to get you an ambulance to go off to the funny farm real quick you just sit right where you're at after establishing that the reaction was triggered merely by the offering of copies of the Constitution and not by anything the group had said, Grab officer sympathies to the reporter. And so what I think you're sharing with me is that your interaction in receiving this was harming, right? And that's what we certainly want to avoid 
We don't want to limit people in exchanging ideas or having opposing viewpoints, but when it's disruptive or causing harm, yeah, which I think the Constitution does, the reporter interjects. I mean, it's not just me, it's I mean, I thought that Vassar wanted to create like a safe place here, you know, a place that where students could walk around and not be scared of seeing discriminating things on campus. Oh my God, there's somebody actually giving this individual, oh wait a minute, that's right, they pay tuition. Remember, they thought this is a student. Oh sorry, you're a paying customer? Yeah, that's too bad, dear. Oh my, oh gee. Noting that, I'm sure there are also some people who may not, maybe don't understand the impact this might have on folks. Grab, ask the reporter whether there's anything that can be done to create an educational moment regarding the issue. Yeah, I guess maybe the reporter responds, suggesting that maybe the Constitution should be removed from campus, campus permanently. Grab stops short of endorsing that idea, but asks the reporter if there's anything she can do with the copy of the Constitution that was brought into the office. Honestly, can we just, like, destroy, like, is there a shredder or something? Like, I think it might be really therapeutic. Yes, I think I have a shredder in in the front office there. Did you want to do it with me? The video then shows Grab and the reporter enter the other another office where Grab proceeds to shred the entire Constitution page by page. Thank you, that made me feel better, the reporter says, to which Grab replies, good. A narrator then asserts that when the reporter tried the same story at Oberlin College, several professors made similarly shocking statements. When the complaint was brought to Wendy Kozel, Professor Chair of Comparative American Studies at Oberlin, she agreed after a long pause that, quote, the Constitution in everyday life causes people pain, adding that she rarely discusses the Constitution in class and that when she does, she tends to focus on specific amendments. After some prompting from the reporter, she concedes that her hesitancy reflects her belief that the document is flawed and suggests working with student groups to host a dialogue concerning the ways in which the Constitution in everyday life causes people pain. Wow, man. So obviously, my end goal is I want the Constitution to not have such a central part here at Oberlin. I would like people to see how discriminating it is and how racist it is, the reporter tells Kozol. Do you think that's a reasonable goal that we could get to? Absolutely, Kozol says. Hey, folks, these are the people you're paying and your your children are getting $50,000 in debt to go get learned by. Right? Come on, man. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of people who will immediately agree with you and join the conversation and think about ways to limit, confine, or talk back. Maybe you just want to talk back to the Constitution. Carol Lasser, professor of history and director of gender, sexuality, and feminist studies at Oberlin. Oh, my gosh. This is actually a class. 
Director of Gender, Sexuality, and Feminist Studies. Oh, my God. Likewise concurred. Quote, The Constitution is an oppressive document because it intentionally makes change a slow process. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a professor saying this. I think birthright citizenship is right, she whispers. And you know that if it was up for a vote today, we would lose it under the craziness of Trump and his seven dwarfs. Right? Really? Birthright citizenship? That means anchor babies. Okay, that's that's their way of saying anchor babies. They don't like the word anchor babies because that describes exactly what's going on. They like to say birthright citizenship. She then observes that the Constitution is not a sacred document in that sense, citing the Second Amendment as an example and asking, what could be clearer then? I mean, at least from my point of view that the founders never envisioned giving people carte blanche to own assault rifles. This is a professor, a moron. So, now listen, 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 listen. Not just any old professor. This is a professor of history and director of gender, sexuality, and feminist studies. A professor of history? And she says the Founding Fathers never envisioned carte blanche to assault weapons? What do you think the Revolutionary War was fought with? Assault rifles of the day. That's what. And why did the revolution start? Because the Redcoats came to confiscate the weapons. Sure, there was a long train of abuses by the king... But the last straw was when the Redcoats actually marched out and said, we are going to take all your weapons away from you. And this one says, well, never. They never envisioned this. Of course they did. It's exactly what they envisioned. Colleen Cohen, faculty director of affirmative action and a professor of anthropology at Vassar, is even more indulgent of the reporter's complaint, saying, quote, it's horrible that this is something that has caused you such pain. Unless the people are from off campus, there is nothing the college can do to prevent the Constitution from being distributed. Can I destroy this, she asked the reporter. Or did you want to hold on to it? Well, you could destroy it, the reporter says. Maybe it will feel, you know, therapeutic for me. I'll put it through a shredder, Cohen offers. Yeah, I'll put it through... I'll put it in a shredder. Subsequently, Cohen hangs up her office phone and informs the reporter that she will not have access to the shredder until her secretary returns. Because I'm a professor and I'm too damn stupid to use a shredder. (laughs) Anyway, but promises to destroy the document at that point. Wow. 
When this idea came up in our newsroom about campus administrators shredding the Constitution because it's a trigger against students, we didn't think people would actually fall for it, he said at one point. This is uh, O'Keefe. We underestimated just how stupid and politically correct these people are. We were amazed and disappointed, the narrator intones at the end of the film. Political correctness and cultural sensitivity run amok. Unbelievable, huh, folks? Yeah, that's it right there. This is going on in America. This is really happening, okay? It's it's <laughs> it's amazing. It's I don't even know what to say. Now, I mentioned this the other day and I'm going to now read some of the story to you so you get the real deal. US intends direct action on the ground supporting ISIS, supporting ISIS, supporting ISIS. Oh, what? Excuse me? I'm not just saying that. It's a headline. Okay, It bears repeating and stressing that other articles explained Washington uses ISIS and other uh, take-free terrorists as U.S. foot soldiers in Syria, Iraq, and wherever else they're deployed. In over a year of U.S. bombing, both countries, zero ISIS targets were struck. Infrastructure and other government sites only. Claims otherwise are big lies about Obama's wars in both countries. Last year, he promised no American combat troops fighting on foreign soil. We will not get dragged into another ground war. Another of his many big lies. Last week, White House spokesman Eric Schultz said he has no intention to authorize long-term, large-scale ground combat operations like our nation has conducted in Iraq and Afghanistan. Middle East analyst Phyllis Bennis told RT International, I think the question of U.S. boots on the ground has been true for over a year now. We've had at least 35,000 troops in Iraq that went back last year. U.S. troops are actively engaged in combat. So the notion that there are no boots is simply not the case. We also know that besides 35,000 U.S. troops on the ground in Iraq, there are an unknown numbers of other special forces and CIA forces on the ground. Maybe they wear sneakers rather than boots. But there is no question that U.S. forces have been fighting directly in Iraq for more than a year now. Their involvement makes things worse on the ground, not better. Why? They're deployed in the first place to keep the region to keep the regional pot boiling. Assure endless war, instability, and chaos. Support, not combat, ISIS. And now an attempt to counter Russia's successful air campaign. Make no mistake about what's ongoing and intended. Washington supports its ISIS and other terrorist proxy foot soldiers, wanting them protected from Russia's commitment to contain, neutralize, and eliminate them. Most important for Moscow is keeping them from spreading elsewhere, especially to Russia and Central Asia. That Washington very much intends. An undeclared U.S.-Russia war rages, each nation supporting opposite sides in Syria and Iraq. And by the way, folks, we're on the wrong side of this. Washington intends direct action on the ground. Code language for escalating what's been ongoing for over a year. We won't hold back. Whether by strikes from the air or direct action on the ground, said Carter, we expect to intensify our air campaign with a higher and heavier rate of strikes. We've already begun to ramp up these deliberate strikes. Well, I'll tell you what. What they did send was some F-15 
seas over there, which are designed and armed strictly and exclusively for air combat, not bombing runs, not ground targets, air targets, other fighter jets. Now, who has those? It's not Iraq. It's not anybody except Russia. Russia has their planes in the air. Russia's been enforcing a no-fly zone over Syria. Yeah, it's not just going to be direct action on the ground. They are, uh, Washington has lost its mind. They want to have a war with Russia. Because Russia won't, isn't caving in. Just like Libya wouldn't cave in, Iraq wouldn't cave in, Syria won't cave in, Egypt wouldn't cave in. So they bombed them. They went to war with them. Well, you all got bad news for you folks out there. Russia's not Syria. Russia's not Iraq. Russia's not Egypt. Okay? All this propaganda you've been sucking down about, oh, yeah, Russia's weak. They're, uh, oh, they're, they're not a superpower anymore. They're nobody to worry about. They're plenty to worry about. While we've been fighting these never-ending wars for the last decade, Russia's been rebuilding its military. They've been putting new jet fighters in the air. But you know what? They don't start from scratch like the idiot Pentagon does. Oh, yeah, let's, hey, hey, let's do an F-35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have it built all around the world. Let's get all our partners in on it. Yeah, everybody wants to make some money on this. That's what the F-35 is. It's just an, a, a way for every defense contractor in the world to get in on a moneymaker. Get a piece of the action. Well, it doesn't work, okay? There's so much corruption, they can't even make the plane work. $400,000 helmets for the pilots. <laughs> yeah, when what the Russians did was they took their MiGs that were already, you know, top of the line, and they made improvements, both structural and design improvements. They added new technology, and they got a plane that basically, because they didn't start from scratch, was faster and cheaper to build, and, well, it works, because they took a design, a basic, a foundational design that worked very well, and made improvements. We have a problem with air superiority because when those F-15s hit the air and they meet the new Russian fighters they're going to have a problem and they're going to be a little surprised because it's not going to be like shooting ducks in a pool like they've been used to for the last 10 years listen folks I don't care how you train I don't care how many top gun schools you go to when you get up there in the air on a real combat mission for 10 years and all you ever do is shoot ducks. When somebody starts shooting back for real, you're not going to be prepared. It's just like the cops, okay? The cops are used to pulling their gun and just shooting people. They're not used to people standing up and shooting them first. When that starts happening... Cops are going to start dying wholesale and running away like little girls. And you better run fast, because those people shooting at you are going to be running after you. 
This whole bully thing the United States government has got going on with its own people and around the world is going to come to a bad end. Now, here's what they say. uh, Let's see. Russia offers help to all Syrian opposition groups fighting terrorism. It's hard finding representatives of such opposition groups. Uh, Larnov explained. All elements fighting Assad are terrorists. No good ones exist. The only way to restore regional peace and stability is eliminating them. Well, that's opposed by Washington, of course, because they want to overthrow Assad. For what reason, exactly? I mean, has it ever been explained why exactly we're trying to overthrow the president of Syria? Why do we want a regime change in Syria? You ever catch that on CNN? Oh, so he's a bad man and he treats his people real bad. Oh, really? As far as I remember, that's why we went to Afghanistan. Because, you see, they really could never prove what they were saying about, oh, uh, you know, the 911 terrorists came from uh, Afghanistan. That's where they trained. They could never prove that. You know why? Because it's not true. Any of the Arab poster boys they used were all from Saudi Arabia. They weren't from Afghanistan, and they weren't training in Afghanistan. They were probably training in the United States. It was all made up, and everybody knew it, and they couldn't prove it. And anytime anybody asked for proof, they'd say, well, you know, and plus, the Taliban's a terrible bunch of guys. I mean, they make their women wear veils, and they don't let them drive cars or go to college or anything. I mean, oh... Oh, I feel really bad for those girls. Wow, let's bomb the country. There's nothing in a, in Syria except, oh, he's a bad man and he treats his people wrong. Uh, he gassed people. Really? Can you prove that? No, but we're saying it and they're gassed. Gassed, I tell you. Oh, those poor people. We better bomb Syria now. Well, I'll tell you why. They want a regime change in Syria. And uh, let me tell you, it's not because he's gassing anybody. Okay? But it does have to do with gas. Anyway, we'll take a break. And when I come back, I'll tell you why I think regime change in Syria is so desired by Washington.
Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men feigning from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earth the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNV, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015, and it's about 8.41 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast, 800-932-1980, or go to the chat room located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, and... uh, You can contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. And uh, let's see, everything else you need to know about this network is on the website, so check it out. All right, let's see, Stump the Room. Uh, First song there was Flip, Flop, and Fly, been covered by, you know, everybody, um, even the Blues Brothers. And uh, that version was by a band called... Powder Blues Band. Okay? The room did not get it. And then the second song there, which I I also liked better than the first one, uh, it's called the Three Harp Boogie. And the three harps are played, one each, of course, one by James Cotton, Paul Butterfield, and Billy Boy Arnold with Elvin Bishop on guitar. That's who that was. So, there you have it. There it is. And, uh, hey, 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 it's only Tuesday, and I'm 5-0. and oh. What a week. What a week. What a week. Room's going to have a hard time catching up now, aren't they? Hey, wait a minute. Wednesday? Thursday? Oh, man, even if I lose all four, I'm still 5-4. and four. Ooh, boy, it's nice to be in the lead. Anyway, I'm just rubbing it in. It's all in good fun. I always try to find decent music, okay? It's like I keep saying, you know, I say this a lot. I, it's it's really, really easy to find crappy music, obscure crappy music. It's not, it's not as easy to find good obscure music, but it's it's fun when you find it, you know, and it's fun to play it. And, hey, if people, you know, like to guess, that's great. And it's always fun to win. So, and believe me... I've taken my losses 
by this room over here. They know a lot more about uh uh <laughs> Yeah. Somebody in the chat room, you know, they try to play this delay off here that they're um, they said, Oh hey, I said Paul Butterfield, uh, the Paul Butterfield blues band. Well let's see, seeing as how there was James Cotton, Billy Boy Arnold and uh, you know, um Elvin Bishop. Uh what is that? That's one fourth, so what is that, twenty five percent? So what point <laughs> so what is it? Uh four point seven five to point two five? Is that is that how it really is? That's okay. You know. That's okay. I I'll give you that point two five. So I'm not five and oh, I'm four point seven five to point two five. There you go. Hey, fair is fair, right? All right, let's get back to some things and stuff, some news. Enough fun and games, eh? We got World War Three to deal with here. Well, I guess we just dealt with it, you know, because... Uh, and here we go again. You know, I, I'm not even going to give this much much uh, talk here, but I do want to read the headline to you. In Economist Magazine cover foreshadows a false flag event that will happen in November. Aha. Well, there you have it. Have the elite warned us that November 3rd and November 5th will be particularly important dates? Uh Uh-oh. Hey, wait a minute. It's the 3rd today. Well, it's all right. We still have two more days to the 5th. The Economist has very close ties to the Rothschild banking dynasty of Europe. And it's been well-known mouthpiece for the global elite for decades. That is why all the weird imagery that was used on the cover for the January 2015 issue made so many headlines when it first came out. The elite often liked to foreshadow what they intend to do in advance, and many were trying to decipher what many of the cryptic symbols might mean. For those that have not seen it yet, here's the full cover. It's just... It's basically, you know, the world leaders. You got Obama and Merkel and Putin and the guy from China and somebody else, and then there's a whole crowd of them behind them. All the world leaders, and they're all waving... And then in the background, you've got a mushroom cloud, all right, in the background over there. So, I I don't know. I guess that's what they're talking about. Uh, Much of the speculation focused on other symbols on the cover, but now there's renewed interest in the cover based on the two arrows that are stuck in the ground in the lower right-hand corner. Okay? Okay. And sure enough, there are, like, two arrows stuck in the ground. Um, It was an article by James Bailey that brought this to my attention, and I have to say I'm intrigued. Perhaps these two numbered arrows mean something, and perhaps they don't. But I find it hard to believe that they were there by accident. Here's a close-up of that section of the cover. Now, these arrows, all right, on the uh, tail fin have numbers. One arrow is 11.5. The other arrow is 11.3. Now they think maybe this is uh, references to November 5th and November 3rd. 
The official stories is, is they do not. The editor of The Economist says that these numbers are related to targets for the Chinese economy. The arrows are taken from the graphic illustrating the story of Chinese economy, uh, the numbers to watch, and our Chinese targets. As it happens, the numbers on the graph were adjusted to the fact-checking process after the cover went to press. Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he isn't. But you see, my point here is the fact that, you know, people take things like this, a cover of a magazine, and they come up with complete narratives on, ooh, this is a false flag, it's going to be on this day, this is what it's going to be, be scared, run for your life, make YouTubes about it, get on the internet, you know, cause a big stir. This is what happened in just in September, okay? Nothing happened, regardless of what apologists try to say. Oh no, lots happened. Well, lots always happens. There's always lots going on. There's 6 billion people on this planet. There's 180 different countries. There's always something going on. Okay, so, you know, if you really look, well, hey, this month, this, that, and the other thing happened. Well, you know what? Nothing happened in September. Nothing out of the ordinary. All right? Nada. They were wrong. They don't want to admit it, but too bad. They were wrong. You know, picking dates is always a really stupid idea, but people keep doing it. And then, hey, the herds all fall for it every time. I'm amazed. You know, and yeah, okay, one of these days, somebody's going to be right, obviously. I mean, you keep, <laughs> hey, keep rolling the dice long enough, you're going to eventually come up with sevens. You know, I mean, geez. But here we are again. So I'm encouraging you folks, stay the course, keep preparing, you know, don't get disappointed because the world didn't end and we're not in misery, okay? You'll get your misery, don't worry, calm down, just stay the course, and don't get all happy and go, all right, good, nothing happened, we're in the clear, we're safe, let's sell all that storage food because we don't have anything to worry about anymore. Don't do that either. Just stay the course. Keep being prepared. It's not about getting prepared. It's about being prepared. You don't throw away storage food. You eat it. Unless, of course, you know, you're going to just stop eating. You know, well then, okay. Never mind. Oh, here we go with this. The Trans-Pacific Partnership. Well, U.S. congressman is saying that it violates national sovereignty. Really? And what's going to happen there? And how does he know? Did he get to see it? Brad Sherman is a Democrat from California. And uh, he explained that while members of the political and economic elite are praising the terms of the agreement, the secretive text is nothing more than an academic dream. According to Sherman, corporations are the force behind TPP, and they have strong lobbies in both the U.S. House and Senate, meaning they're buying the Congress, where they are putting pressure, 
money on congressmen and women to support the treaty signed by 11 nations. Anyway, uh, last week, the site WikiLeaks made public the intellectual property chapter of TPP so the public can vet its content and really learn about the impact the TPP will have in their lives. Well, I wish WikiLeaks would release the whole darn thing. Anyhow, let's uh, move on here. Oh, I'll do this one later. The nuclear war you didn't know about. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty uh, interesting. Hey, boy, I feel safer. How about you? The FBI has a new tool to identify extremists. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> oh, man, the FBI is about to introduce an interactive program it developed for, guess who? Teachers and students. Yeah, now the FBI is getting into education. Wow, this is great, huh? Aimed at training them to prevent young people from being drawn into violent extremism. Oh, what could be wrong with that, huh? Hey, is that another reason not to send your children to public school? Now, I found this... Kind of interesting. Beijing's covert radio network airs China-friendly news across Washington and the world. The Chinese government controls much of the content broadcast on a station that is blanketing the U.S. capital with pro-Beijing programming. WCRW is part of an expanding global web of 33 stations in which China's involvement is obscured. <gasps> you mean kind of like the U.S. government's involvement is obscured at Fox News and CNN and ABC and NBC? You mean that? Like that? Oh, no, not like that, because we have a free press. <laughs> In August, foreign ministers from 10 nations blasted China for building artificial islands in the disputed South China Sea. As media around the world covered the diplomatic clash, a radio station that serves the most powerful city in America had a distinctive take on the news. Well, you know, it's arguable. Is is D.C. really the most powerful city in America, or is it New York? Or is it Chicago? Hmm. Located outside Washington, D.C., WCRW Radio made no mention of China's provocative island project. Instead, an analyst explained that tensions in the regions were due to unnamed external forces trying to insert themselves into this part of the world using false claims. <laughs> external forces means the federal government of the United States trying to insert themselves into the South China Sea, lying about things. Wow, that's a shocker, huh? Ooh, federal government of the United States lying about things and inserting themselves into somebody else's business? Ha, say it ain't so. Behind WCRW's coverage is a fact that never that's never broadcast. <gasps> what could that be? It's that the Chinese government controls much of what airs on the station. Well, 
you know, I don't very often hear CNN or Fox News or ABC or NBC or CBS or NPR. I don't hear them mentioning to the American people that, oh, and by the way, our existence is reliant on our compliance with the wishes of the federal government or they will pull our license to exist. Yeah, I don't hear that announcement very often. So I wonder why they're expecting the Chinese station to make any such announcement. I mean, our stations don't make that announcement. But they expect them to do that. Amazing. You know, it's always this double standard with the federal government. You you know about it. You've experienced it. You're a victim of it, too. It's not just the Chinese and the Syrians and the Iraqis and the Egyptians and the Libyans. And boy, the list goes on. I don't even get me started in Africa. It's you, too. It's me, too. We're all victims of their duplicity. Oh, you got to obey the law. Oh, you got to obey the law. Oh, it's the law. It's the law. It's the law. We got a president who doesn't give a damn about the law. He writes, hey, I'm telling you to not enforce the law. We got a court telling cops that, oh, well, let's see here. Yes, you violated the person's rights, but really you didn't understand the law. So it's okay. You're off the hook. Of course, you citizens out there, you, hey, ignorance of the law is no defense. Remember. Yeah. Oh, all you people need to go on Obamacare. But, of course, us in Congress have our own health care plan. Hey, you out there in the little TV land, we're going to have to cut your Social Security uh, uh, you know, uh, payments, and we're going to have to raise the age that you can get Social Security. But, of course, one term in the Senate, and I get to retire at my full salary. Whee! Yay! Yeah. Double standards all the time from these people. And if you're a federal employee, you're a beneficiary of their double standards too. Because you're getting paid twice as much for whatever it is you're doing for the federal government than you would in the private sector. Anyway. WCRW is just one of the growing number of stations across the world through which Beijing is broadcasting China-friendly news and programming. They, they say China-friendly. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between China-friendly and countering biased news. Do you think the United States press is U.S.-friendly? I do. Anyway, a Reuters uh, investigation spanning four continents has identified at least 33 radio stations in 14 countries that are part of a global radio web structured in a way that obscures its majority shareholder, state-run China Radio International, or CRI. Really? Obscures its major shareholders? Really? Well, golly, I'm sure glad nothing like that ever happens here in the United States. Uh, Hey, by the way, can anybody out there rattle off the names of the Federal Reserve Bank shareholders? No, I don't think you can. You know why? Because they keep that secret. I wonder why. Why would they do that? I mean, it's just a bank after all. Who cares? I mean, why would they make who's the shareholders secret? 
it's okay for the Fed to keep secrets, but oh, not 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 China's radio stations. I think the Fed does a whole lot more damage than any Chinese radio station's ever going to do. But anyway, that's it for tonight. I'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, let's see, it's Tuesday. I've been playing, uh, classic, we'll call them classic, rather than tired old reruns, of the Frank Report from, I think, 2007 or 2008. So, got a couple hours of those coming up, and then, uh, you know, 24-7. I'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. Some people care about what other people think, worry about what they say. Let a little gossip coming from a loose lip run a perfect day. Saying fly, 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 just a jack and their dog gotta let it roll up and not back. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Whether using your cell or cordless phone for business or staying in touch with family, your radiation exposure due to phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield developed for ultimate radiation protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. It makes a great father's Day gift. Order your Wave Shield today for only $25, which includes priority shipping with delivery confirmation. Send $25 today to Frank Stefan, that's S T E F F A N, at 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. That's Frank Stefan, 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. 
The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646. And mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Went to see the captain Strangers I could find Laid my proposition down Played it on the line I won't slave for Peggy's pay Good evening. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is December 4th, the year 2007. That makes it Tuesday still, at least for another little under an hour here on the uh, over there on the uh, East Coast. But out here on the Pacific Time Coast, we've got plenty of today left. And today is the 4th. It is Tuesday. And we've got Al from Colorado on with us tonight. Yes, we do. All right, Al. Let's see. What kind of bee's in your bonnet tonight? Well, let's see. I think we heard, uh, uh, what do we say, El Presidente this morning in his uh, press conference. Oh, boy. Is this going to be about Iran? Uh, You know, 
I was, I don't know, for some reason, I got a thing that popped up in my messenger from Drew, and I turned it on, and he was talking about, what was he talking He said something about we're going to save all the people's houses or some stupid idiot thing like that. Oh, you mean we're going to bail out the bank? We're going to, well, no, the dumbbell taxpayer sheep are going to save the uh, banker boys is what's going to happen. But he didn't put it that way. No, no, we're going to do it for you, Al. Oh, for us. No, just for you, Al. No, not for me. <laughs> you know, no, 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 thank you, Frank. No. They, you Please know, leave me out of it. They built that stadium just for you and no. your team. And, uh, you know, they're no, going to save your house. No, that was not built for me, Frank. And then built gonna... for you. It might have been built for Melissa, though. No, I don't know about that. Uh, not, not in Denver, I doubt it. You know, but the thing is, it's... It, it's it, it, me, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm confused on where to start. I'm confusing myself thinking about all these... Different things. Look at the position they put Bush in. Oh. I mean, they put him in, you know, for somebody with an IQ of about four, <laughs> they put him in a really difficult position because he has to get up there in front of, all on the same day, yeah. apparently, and explain <laughs> to the American people why we're going to take all your labor, which is we're going to steal that, through yeah. the inflationary yeah. paper and fantasy. And give it back to the banker boys? Yeah, the paper fantasy, uh, uh, you know, money we call. Mr. Bernanke's toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. and we're going, to, uh, we're going to give that to all the really billionaires who are getting how many hundreds of millions of dollars as bonuses for leaving because they lost more money than the last yeah, guy? Yeah, well, some guy last year made $40 million as a bonus, I was told, last year. As the company goes bankrupt. As the company you know? goes you know? bankrupt, I mean, yeah. And then he has to get up there and tell everybody, well, yeah, it doesn't look like Iran's got nukes, really. Yeah, uh, but we still might do something to them anyway. Hey, they're a danger. Yeah, we got, we got, we've got to spank them, right? right? Yeah, now listen to this. This is a quote, Al. Yes. To me, the NIE... That would be the National Intelligence Estimate. Yes. Provides an opportunity for us to rally the international community, to continue to rally the community, to pressure the Iranian regime to suspend its program. Yeah, good that, luck. That they just said doesn't really exist. <laughs> What's to say they couldn't start another covert nuclear weapons program? Yeah, but they're not. Stupidity. I mean, they were... Look... Okay, I, I, I don't know how to put this plainer to the American people out there. And, and the sad thing is the very people that really ought to be listening right now are not listening. They're watching, they're watching the ball game, right? They're watching American Idol or some other stupid thing Dancing on television. Dancing with the stars or yeah. some <laughs> stupid thing. Whatever's on, you know, uh, whatever's there. And they're yeah. watching that instead of listening because, look, Saddam Hussein didn't have anything to do with 9-11. That's correct. Rumsfeld, they've all admitted that now. Even Bush has admitted that. Oh, wait a minute. Did you hear what Pearl came out and said, was it yesterday? That it was a mistake. This is the biggest, this was one of the biggest cheerleaders of the Iraq war, pushing Bush. And now yesterday he comes out and says the whole thing was... Uh, a uh, big misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he's just trying to stay out of prison. Or well, something. I think they all need to be in prison, including Daddy and Mommy Bush, too. Let's put them in, too. Well, they should have went first. They should have went a long time ago. But the thing, the thing is... Donald Hussein didn't have anything to do with 911. They've all admitted it. Yeah, he wasn't in bed with Al-Qaeda either. No, he doesn't even like Osama bin Laden. That's okay? right. You know, 
Saddam Hussein, you see, this is the ignorance. This is, and it's not really people's fault. Well, I guess it is because the Internet's there, and they can look it up if they're interested. And the problem is they're not interested. They're, nah. they're satisfied to sit in front of Fox News and take what they give them and go, oh, now I know. No, you don't know. No, you don't know, Jack. <laughs> because you've just been bamboozled. Because the thing is, there was no nuclear nothing in Iraq either. You know what? I'll tell you what. What they found, those aluminum tubes that they're, aha, here it is, those were from pre-1991. Yes, Saddam Hussein was developing a weapons program prior to Kuwait and, you know, Gulf War yeah. I. Okay? They destroyed all that. That country was under 12 years of sanctions and... Uh, all that other good care. Well, and surveillance, basically. I mean, the whole country was under surveillance. Everything coming in and out of that place was, okay, you can have this, you can't have that. You can have this, you can't have that. Except when it came to the oil for food Oil program. for food, oh, yeah. Then, they, then uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the black guy, his son was implicated in that scam. There was a whole bunch of money changed hands. Yeah, Kofi Annan's Kofi kid. Annan, yeah. What was his name? Kojo or something? Kojak? Whatever, Kojo, Koji, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, whatever his guy's yeah, name. Yeah, and nobody's gone to prison over that yet. He's, no, oh, wait, nobody what? is going to go to prison over that because the sheep are waiting for the next ball game to come up next As Sunday. a matter of fact, it's even worse than nobody's gone to prison for that. They want to do something like that again for Iraq. Oh, and the luck. United States is signing on to it. Yeah, let's do that again. That worked out oh, really yeah, good. Oh, yeah, let's get the tax-paying sheep. Let's take some more money out of the tax-paying sheep's pocket so they can't eat, you know. Bottom line is, they lied about Saddam Hussein having anything to do with 911 and any ties to al-Qaeda. They, lied, the about, and all that they lied about mass, uh, weapons of mass all destruction crap, in Iraq. Now, for all of you Republican neocons out there, they're going, No, they found this and they found that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they sure did. Is. They did find it. Yeah, but, Syria. Yeah, well, and the thing is... Or they moved them to Syria. No, this is what they say, and they don't have any proof. If they're in Syria, then go get them. Yeah, that's what I felt said to Mr. Illinois. But, uh, you know, you can't talk to these people, because all they do is believe everything that comes over the idiot box. Do you get ridiculed, Al? I mean, Frank, you, is that an understatement, or is that an understatement of the week? I mean, do, do, is that what happens? Because that's what I'm noticing is happening. Is This is the defense of the total ignorant. Tell okay. me about it, Frank. They, they'll they sit there and you'll tell them something that's true. Well, that you, could you know, actually... they found this and they found it in Syria and they moved it to Syria. And then I said to them, then why don't they go in and bomb Syria? They'll, they'll, let them go find it, okay? That's, I said, wait, you know what I told them? I said, Bush needs to tell the world that it was, well, we can't do that because the Germans and the Russians uh, got their stuff in there, too. I said, I don't care about the Germans and the Russians. Well, no. It, I don't really care about the Germans or the Russians if they were supplying weapons, too. That's their problem, not and, ours. And, and the whole thing about, oh, all those weapons went to Syria is is only because they say so. They don't. They, they haven't produced one shred of any kind of evidence, not even the bogus evidence that they usually wheel out in front of everybody, like, oh, let's look at another lie. Uh, that radioactive material, that yellow cake from Niger. Oh, that oh, was a bunch of garbage, yeah, too, wasn't it? That was it? a lie, too. Well, you That's know. That's why, uh, what, Mrs. Plain, got, uh, Mrs. Plain got outed and everything yeah. and all that garbage. Yeah, and that was a lie, too. Everything is a lie. You know, so when they tell us, oh, yeah, well, uh, they were here, but they moved them, uh, yeah, to Syria, that's right. Oh, sure. 
sure. Okay, I'll believe that. Got any evidence? I've got a better lie for you, Frank. The Colorado team won the World Series. That's why I have a good lie, Frank. My team, your team did win, Well, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like, why, why isn't anybody believing that? Let's believe that. That's just as believable. That's right. Frank's team, the Colorado Rockies, won the series. I don't care if you say Boston, I say Colorado. I don't care. No, no, no. I say the New York Mets won. Oh, that's fine. That's who I say won. Chicago Cubs are there while we're at it, too. That's who I say won. But, you know, the thing is, though, Al, I want to get back to the thing now. When you tell people, look, here's the deal, and I can prove it. Okay, I can, I can print you out stacks of paper that will evidence to you what I'm saying. And you're sitting there nodding your head going, uh-uh, no, no. Well, do you have any proof? Nope. And well, they I heard it on Fox News, Fox News, or whatever they yeah. call it, you know, phony news. Fox, yeah. Fox uh, News, or... The thing is, it's like they don't have any evidence. They don't know any of the details or the facts. We've got evidence up the wazoo know this inside out, and yet they got the nerve to sit there and ridicule us. Wait a minute. They saw on Fox News that uh, Chicken Little said the sky was falling all over the country, so they're all running for the air raid shelter, right? Well, I saw on Fox News that Bill O'Reilly's a pervert that likes to do weird stuff on the telephone with people. But, you know, so what? (laughs) So what's the big deal? You know, I I mean, you know, the thing is, yeah, you know what? I saw the Terminator on TV, too. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Run run for your life, Al. The Terminator's loose because I saw him on TV. Arnold Schwarzenegger is... uh, is loose again? Is that what you're telling me? You know, Al. The thing. The, the, no, no. I. The thing is, it's like, I, I just. How do you deal with it, Al? What do you do? You just stop you talking know what to you people. Do, you Frank, just stop you trying to turn off the idiot box and you go to American Voice Radio and you get the truth. That's well, what sure, you do. but they're not going to do it. They, you know, and if they do it, they'll say, "Oh, a lunatic, lunatic." Oh, that that Stefan, he must be making this stuff up out in the wilds of Oregon, right? And, and all the other lunatics on here. Uh huh. If it's not coming from CBS, NBC, Comedy News Network, it can't be true. Well, no. And and now listen, this is this is another thing he says. Now this is he's talking about the report that says Iran's not developing a weapons program, right? I view this report as a warning signal that they had the program. They halted the program. Who writes this guy's life? This is, this is Al Jorge, our so-called yeah. leader? Oh, yeah. He says the reason... Somebody re- must have really written a good script for him today. He says the reason why it's a warning signal is they could restart it. Oh. You see... Meanwhile, Al, back at the ranch, the Israelis are even piling more nukes up on their Well, you know, when you went, uh, you know, when you were 18 and you went and bought that gun, that was a warning signal that you were going to start robbing banks. Cause oh, yeah. You know why? You could. You could, Al. I could have. And that car you got... Or truck, you know, that's a warning signal that you well, can start Frank, running you know, people down. You bought down. your first car when you were whatever, Frank, and you were going to run down the street at 150 miles an hour. Killing everybody. It. Yep, it was a warning signal. Yeah. I mean, this guy is unbelievably I dense. can't believe Somebody had to write that script for well, him. Of course, he, of course they do. You somebody know, wrote that script for that man, and he was reading off the teleprompter, and that's all I know. You know what I just wish? I wish the writers that write his crap would go on strike with the writers that write yeah, all the news. Yeah, but you know what? Crap. We've got a little over 13 months to go. Let's see. Today's the fourth. 16 days from today, we only got 13 months left to this idiot. Well, I'll tell you what. It's going to be the longest 13 months in our history. You know, I was wrong, Al. Here it goes. Because after Homeland Security... 
security. And remember his no, feeling. No, homeland stupidity, Frank. And remember his feeling, his upset stomach that he had, that he knew, hey, you know, I, I got a feeling here. You oh, know? you mean the gut feeling? Yeah, that What's his yeah. name? Had shirt yeah, off? That's it. Here it is. The commander-in-chief says, I still feel strongly that Iran is a danger. I think the NIE makes it clear that Iran needs to be taken seriously as a threat to peace. My opinion hasn't changed. Sounds like he wants to rattle them sabers. He wants to rattle those sabers so bad he could taste it. His own, his own intelligence apparatus is telling him, look, you know, uh, they're not making nukes there. Sorry, bud. You know, they're just not doing what you'd think they're doing. And he, and he doesn't care. He doesn't <laughs> care. He's going to push you know, that button when he gets the chance to push that button. I'm telling you, remember not long ago, a couple years ago, there was reports about a psychiatrist who did this, you know, observational uh, kind of critique of him and said he's he's nuts? It was worse than nuts, yeah. Yeah, well, I think he's right because, I mean, this guy's got no grip on reality, man. Uh, His own intelligence apparatus is telling him, look, give it up. They're not doing it. You know, we've got a caller. Go ahead, caller. Hi, guys. This is Dana. I'm from Hello, Dana. Hi, Dana. Hi, I'm listening to you guys discuss the big promoter of the Iraqi war now saying it's all a big mistake, misunderstanding. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Pearl. So, Mr. Pearl, so, yeah. Now, we have a supposedly hung dead Saddam Hussein that was put on trial and convicted for all kinds of war crimes. Where does this put the picture for Saddam supposedly dead? Can y'all discuss that? Now, say again, Dana, what do you say where the picture is for what? Repeat, please. For, for Saddam Hussein, who has supposedly been hung and is now being Well, we all know that the, the, that the guy that they uh, put up on the scaffold, that was one of his, uh, what's his name? That's one of his uh, doubles. So that really is a prison fact that it really wasn't Saddam that was hung. Well, now, I, would, I would give you a real good, uh, I would say there's better than a 90% chance. He well, had a lot of doubles, and they, they said they looked at this guy's teeth, and it wasn't the same guy. Well, and, and there's also the point that his wife came to visit him shortly before his uh, alleged hanging and said, hey, you know what, when, you get, him. when you get my husband, let me know. That is yeah. him. So, well, I, th- I thought at one point early on in the trial she came in the courtroom and screamed and hollered, this is not my husband, and ran out of the courtroom. No, I didn't hear Did that Did y'all one. hear about that one? That one yeah. I didn't hear, ma'am. No, ma'am, I didn't hear that one. But I'm just curious, if Iraq was all a mistake, how do you bring back the person if they're not really dead? Well, you know what? He's probably, as Frank says, he's on his island with, what's his name, Ken, Ken Lay? Lay. Yeah, he's on the beach with Ken Lay and uh, right. you know, the rest of them. Yeah. You know well, something? I, we have, a bunch, I, I, we have a bunch of idiots running the country, Dana. You know that. Oh, I know. You're yeah, giving too much credit, Frank, for a 3% mentality. Oh, I gave, him a four, I, gave, I gave him a four-point IQ. Four points. That's, that's well, six points too high, study. Dana. I think if it goes lower, you forget how to breathe. You know? Well, I think he's barely hanging in there. Maybe that's why he can't say a complete sentence. Yeah, that's know. true. They say he hits the Jack Daniels along with the uh, Prozac every night, too, I'm, I'm told. I don't doubt anything he does. But I'm going to go now. I'm going to let you guys just chew it and spit it out, okay? Thank <laughs> okay. you. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. All right, that's Dana from Texas. <laughs> well, she had to get her two cents into like everybody else. Well, yeah, that's good. And, and folks, you can call in 1-800-433-1429 if you want to. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it, okay, you know, 
it's unbelievable because there were people at the time saying, wait a minute, you know what? Saddam Hussein wouldn't ne- would never have anything to do with bin Laden. They don't like each other. Bin they hated Laden, each other. You know, bin Laden is a, is a religious fanatic, and uh, Saddam Hussein was a secular fanatic. And uh, they don't get along. They don't see things the same way, and they're certainly not going to help each other. And for anybody to say, well, you know, Saddam Hussein hated America, blah, blah, blah. Well, then why did he work for America for, like, over a decade? What do you mean? He was part of the CIA's uh, garb. He was, he was a CIA asset for God yeah. knows how long. Yeah, he was. And the U.S., uh, how long did we prop? How much did we prop? How much? How many uh, dead presidents did we prop them up with, uh, uh, Frank? Well, I don't know, but we gave them a lot of weaponry to fight off the Iranians throughout that ten-year war yeah, they right. had. We with were on Iraq's side during that war. Yes, we were. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we pal. switch. We switch. We switch horses a bit stream, right? Well, yeah, and all of a sudden now the talk is, oh well, we got to watch out because you know Iran. Uh, all the Iranians, Iranians now, yeah. because if we uh, if we don't bomb the right way we won't be able to go in and steal their oil because it'll all be irradiated yeah. and it'll be no good. Yeah, but what they're saying is they're saying that, well, if we leave, you know, the Iranians are just going to come in and influence the Iraqi That's their people. problem, not ours. Well, yeah, but why would they do that? They had a bloody 10-year war with these people. They don't they're like not, each other. They're not friends. That's cats and dogs <laughs> you, over there. You know, they're not friends. Why are we supposed to believe now the minute we turn our back they're going to get together? Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, Frank, I look at these people, these so-called leaders and the prostitutes in the big uh, house of prostitution on the Potomac there, and I say, how did, we, how did this country make it for the last 200 and what, 32 years, 31 years? I don't know. I don't know how I made it through my childhood without a plastic helmet and elbow guards and seat belts and airbags and everything else to go down Oh, the yes, and don't forget, Frank, I'm sure they did give you your vaccination way back when, too, remember? Well, I think they probably did. Uh, and then your polio shots, remember those? Wasn't polio the sugar cube? No, they gave you a what's-his-name. There was a shot. You actually got a polio shot. Oh, okay. You could, well, at least we did way well, back. Luckily, in the, I didn't get polio from it. Well, who knows? Well, I think you'd know if you had polio. Uh, you'd have a little difficulty walking, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's my understanding of or it. Or something of that. Hey, thing. you want to hear some really great news? Here it is. I was all wrong about Rudy Giuliani. By golly. Uh-oh, you know, what's got, the deal? Oh, he's straightened up. You mean there's plan. something good to say about uh, Rudy? He's, he's straightened up and fly, he's flying right now. Yeah, right? sure. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, good luck. Republican Mitt Romney, ridiculed by rival Rudy Giuliani for employing illegal immigrants at his... Oh, you mean for the lawn service. At his sanctuary mansion, said Tuesday. Sanctuary. He had fired the landscaper for his suburban Boston home after learning for a second time about undocumented workers laboring on the property. (laughs) So you see, he's a good guy after all. So he knows that he doesn't want any illegals here until he gets in, and then he's going to have them all working in the White House as undocumented help, right? They should all, you know what, now there's an idea. What's that? Take Congress and the White House and deport them all. Hey, that's a real good idea. But Although, you know, finding a country that would take them, that might be a trouble. Now, with all that weather that you had up your way, Frank, or in the northeast or western part of the state, wouldn't it be nice to ship that about uh, 2,300 miles south uh, southeast of you into a certain location on the Potomac? Southeast of me? Yes. 
let's see, southeast. Southeast of you would be the, uh, what do we call the district of criminals, about 2,300 miles or so. <laughs> oh, way southeast. Way southeast. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's where we needed the winds and the storms. I hear they had 129-mile-an-hour winds up in your area or up in Oregon somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. You know, Frank, when your house gets hit by a 129-mile-an-hour wind, guess what, Frank? You ain't got a house no more. Well, I just thank God that, you know, we didn't get those kind of winds. We had about 60, maybe 70-mile-an-hour winds. That's here. still pretty bad. Oh, it was it was pretty bad. I mean, we've had, but we've had wind like that, you know, in the past. It wasn't a, you know, oh, boy, it's never been this bad before. Hmm. Uh, speaking of which, here, here we go. Um, there's at least five dead as flooding continues uh, in Seattle. Monday's devastating rains and winds that drowned trees, cut electricity, and caused widespread flooding have left at least five people dead and shut down a stretch of Interstate 5 near uh, Crehalis. Uh, Governor Chris Gregory declared a state of emergency Monday following a series of storms that hit hardest on the Olympic Peninsula, hmm. Kitsap County, and the southwest corner of the state. Uh, the heavy rains have stopped, but most of the areas were still submerged underwater, uh, with many rivers continuing to flood. About 19 cities and counties have declared flooding emergencies. Yesterday, just both Washington and Oregon, both are just Oregon we're talking about. Well, that was, just wa- that was just Washington right there. Oh, uh, that's Washington yeah, we're talking yep, about. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, but, dear. But I'll tell you what, you know... Portland, Oregon isn't far. It's not very far from well, Seattle. Portland is pretty close to the, uh, Seattle, to the state yeah. line, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's right on it. The Columbia River is is the state line. Huh. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was bad. It was a bad, bad storm, and they're still out of power. Uh, well, like I said, it was at the wrong part of the country. Raw sewage is spilling into Puget Sound. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, r- rivers are still rising. Yeah, but we got plenty of money for Halliburton and the Blackwater, though, don't we? Uh, yeah, and, and and you know we've got plenty of uh, National Guard troops for Iraq too, but yeah, not for here. Yeah, but nothing for Oregon and Washington. No, no. nothing at all. Yeah, we got to keep uh, Tricky Dick Cheney's hundred thousand dollars a day coming in, or he gets a little uppity, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, you well. Know? Yeah, well, his heart's going to explode pretty soon. Well, you know what? It'll be a day of national celebration. Maybe he can take Jorge with him, huh? Well, that'd be nice. Now, we do uh, need to talk a little bit about Mr. Chavez. Yeah, we do, but you know what? We're going to take a break, and uh, that's a good place to uh, take a cut right here, and we'll come back and we'll talk about that. And let's talk about the... um the elections in Russia a little bit. Nobody's talking about those at all. Well, you know, that wasn't the important ones because we're still friends with them, sort of, huh? Oh, sure, yeah, we're good buddies. Yeah, my goodness, have we got our time machine already? Wow. Yeah, see, look at the clock. But buddies, we're not buddies. How much buddies do you think we're going to be once we attack Iran? and wreck, <laughs> they're, not gonna like, they're not going to care for that too much, are No, they? I think the buddy thing will be over about then. Yeah. All right, we'll be back in about three minutes. Folks, you stay where you whether you call it commercial redemption or accept it for value the commerce game exposed is the book that will help you understand this process the fact is there is no lawful money in circulation the explanation and details as to how this happened are enlightening And the instructions concerning what one can do with this information are detailed and easy to understand. Utilizing this process is not for everyone, but learning how lawful money has been turned into commercial debt instruments should be of concern to everyone. 
The Commerce Game Exposed book is a good tool to learn the commercial nature of the new world order. To order the Commerce Game Exposed, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. SwissAmerica.com reports gold prices jumped over $800 an ounce Tuesday on a weaker dollar, a one-day South African miner's strike, despite lower oil prices. Gold closed in New York up $12.90 to $801.10 an ounce. Silver rose $0.20 to $14.27. Currency fundamentals dominated sentiment as the dollar weakened against the euro. Analysts also noted gold has benefited from safe haven appeal, reports Reuters. More at SwissAmerica.com. $800 gold should be telling you many things. First, inflation is two to three times higher than reported. Second, the Fed will sacrifice the dollar to fight a recession. Third, gold prices, having already tripled since 2001, must nearly triple again to exceed their 1980 high. Swiss America has compressed 25 years into a 25-minute Gold 101 DVD kit that's free. Call 800-B-U-Y-C-O-I-N. That's 800-289-2646. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. We are live if it is December 4th, the year 2007. Uh, that's Tuesday, and it is about 8.33 in the evening on, uh, what do you call it here, on that date, uh, in the evening, on the Pacific Time Coast. That's what I'm wanting to say. Anyway, Tuesday evening here, we've got Al from Colorado. It's later over there, isn't it, Al? Yeah, it's about an hour later or something like that, but who's counting? Okay. Anyway. Now, Frank, now we started to talk about, you know, I, I think what was hysterical, the United States government is claiming that the election was fixed in Russia. We're call, we got the pot calling the kettle black with our last two presidential elections, don't we, Frank? Well, you know, yesterday, I, you know, I don't know <laughs> if you heard me, but I, I basically said, you know, I get it now. You know why? You know I've been asking the question because I don't I don't know. I'd like to know why Putin came to America to visit 
He didn't go to the White House. He didn't go to Crawford, Texas, to the you know White House West. He didn't go to Kenny Bunkport. Yes, did he? he did go to Kenny Bunkport. He did Bunkport. go see Daddy Bush. Yeah, he went to see Daddy and Junior showed up, too. So it was Dad and Junior and good old Putin all together up at Kenny Bunkport. Imagine our surprise. Yeah, you know, and, and now I figured out what he was doing there. He was like going, you know, he probably said, look. I'm gonna, you know. You guys, you guys have thrown the last two elections here, and you got away with it. How'd you do it? That's right. You know, how'd you do it? That's right. And the answer is just do it. Just do it and deny everything. That's right. Deny. You hear what uh, what Drew said the other day? Deny, cover up, destroy. You know. Yeah. Deny everything. Just say they're all crazy. That's right. Say they're all crazy and you take this as a great victory. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like Bush. He's not concerned with the facts. Hey, look, buddy, Iran doesn't have any nuclear weapons. I don't care. I take this as a warning. You know, it's my favorite thing. Don't confuse me with the facts, Frank. My mind is made up, right? Well, and that's exactly what George Bush did today. He basically got up there. I mean, other than saying, don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> That's the only party left out because That's about I mean, all he left he, out. He did say my my opinion hasn't changed. In other That's words, right. my I mind. I don't care is, what you think. This is the way I think, and if you don't like it, that's, uh, that's right. My way or the highway. My right? mind is made up. That's right. Forget about the facts, Frank. Well, yeah, I've got a you know I've got highly skilled, highly paid, secret, all kinds of intelligence. Apparatus going Telling on. Telling me got that the, they're bad boys. I've there. got the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the who knows what else going on. The ABC on. and the DEF. Yeah, the Department of Defense. Everybody's telling me. Mm, Especially Homeland about, Stupidity is even eh, telling me. You this. know, that thing about Iran, eh, it's not happening. They really don't have any nukes. Yeah. I don't care. Yes, they do. They're I don't still care what you say. It's my way or the highway. And goodbye, Frank, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And and everybody's. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this right here will be enough. Oh, and in the same day, Pearl coming out and saying it was not just a mistake, but illegal. Oh God, he actually said that. Yeah. Now that part I missed. Okay, let me go here. Right. Okay. Here. War critics astonished as U.S. Hawk admits invasion was illegal. Oh, this is from the Guardian. Oh, brother! You know a British paper. Yeah, we, the British. Boys, we don't get yeah. anything like this here in America. Our British cousins. Yeah, yeah we wouldn't ever get anything like that here. Of course not. Mister Pearl told an audience in London, "Quote, uh huh, look where he told him in London. He didn't yep. say it here. Quote, I think in this case, international law stood in the way of doing the right thing. So, in other words." He he just did admit right there, Al, that they broke international law. She was. Because we've decided. Yes. You know, the decider. The decider, yes. Yeah. Decided we were going to war whether we wanted. And oh, the no. Dumbbell Congress went along with it, well, didn't they? they all decided it was the right thing. Yeah. It's not the legal thing. It's against the law. It's illegal. We're all criminals. Now, but wait a minute, right Frank. Thing. There's a difference between lawful and legal. Remember now. Yeah, but you see, in this particular case, what they did was not only illegal, it was also unlawful. Both. Yeah, they, they you know, I mean, if you, what else? What would get us to trifecta here? 
Gee whiz, I don't know. Maybe we drop a few bombs while we're at it. <laughs> Unlawful, illegal, and immoral. Immoral, Hey, we yes. just hit the trifecta. There we go. There we go. I knew there was something there. There was a third there. party in there somewhere. Yeah. The third time's the charm, right? Yeah. Now, now, Mr. Pearl, a key member of the Defense Policy Board, which advises the U.S. Defense Secretary, Donald Rumsfeld. You mean Rumsfeld. the Jewish neocons? Yeah, he's, uh, in other words, he's Donald Rumsfeld's handler. Uh, said, oh, no, he's a stooge is what he is. I said think. that international law would have required us to leave Saddam Hussein alone, and this would have been morally unacceptable. Oh, yes. Morally unacceptable? Wait a minute. Who benefited the most? Don't you think that little country of Israel over there might have benefited a little bit from this possibly, huh? Huh? Boy, oh boy. He whiz. Imagine my surprise. And he blames the French. What did the French got to do with it? They well, didn't want to be part of it. That's, that's why he's blaming them. They didn't want to be part of it. Uh, he says because of them... Uh, that meant that there was no practical mechanism consistent with the rules of the U.N. for dealing with Saddam Hussein. In other words, they were exercising their veto. Aha. Uh-huh. Saying, no, 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 we're not going to go along with this for war. No. That's right. They didn't want it to get their nose rubbed in it. Now, here's another quote. They're just not interested in international law, are they? said Linda Hugel, a spokeswoman for the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, which launched a high court challenge to the war's legality last year. Hmm. Quote, it's only when the law suits them that they want to use it. See, we're just going to bend the rules to make it work for our... We'll just make the rules, and we'll have six strikes this this inning instead of four, right? Well, the thing is, I mean, look at how they've handled this. Yeah, it was against international law. Yeah, we're a bunch of criminals, but you know what? Those guys at Guantanamo... Yeah, well, so we made a mistake. So what? So sue us, right? Well, and those guys at Guantanamo... Mm, yeah, well, the... Uh, let's see. The Geneva Conventions don't apply to them because, well, let's see. They're not... They're, yeah, they're not. They're, they're not really a truly war. I know what it is. Enemy combatant or some garbage. They're not like soldiers. This. They're not soldiers for a legitimate signatory uh, to the convention. So they're called enemy combatants instead. We've got a new little term called enemy combatant. They're not really a uh, a threat. They're a threat to the country, yeah, but, but they're not. They're, they're not being propped up by the little paper hanger with the mustache. Okay, Al. Here's a question for you. Uh-huh. Al's under all these laws. There's a law saying. Al can't just indiscriminately shoot people. That's right. And you're under that law, Al. And That's you, right. And you would you 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 signed a paper. Let's say you put your your signature on it. and You said yes, I agree that I I, I agree. can't indiscriminately shoot people. I agree that I can't do that. I I. But I, I decided I want to go out and do it anyway, right? No, no, no. Al's walking around and he's just uh, you know under this law. But here comes Frank. Frank hasn't signed anything like that. That law doesn't apply oh, to Frank. Oh, so Frank's going to start shooting now. Well, I could. And uh, so Al just puts a bullet in my head because <laughs> I could, you know. And you see, and then Al turns around and goes, well, uh, somebody says, well, Al, you know, we're going to have to arrest you under that law. And Al goes, no, it doesn't apply in this case. No, because Frank said he wasn't under the law, so I guess I'm not under that law anymore either. Exactly. Ever. You get it. Because you see, the thing is... For them to say, well, these enemy combatants or they're illegal uh, combatants or they're something else, yeah, they can put, you know what, they can put any kind of 
designation on them they like. It doesn't matter, Al. That's right. It doesn't matter if they signed the Geneva Convention or not. You know what? We did. They'll call a rosa tulip if it suits their purposes. The United United States government signed those conventions. Okay? We are subject to them. If nobody else in the world is, we are because we signed them. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're an enemy alien from outer space. We are not allowed to torture people. We're, we've got to go by those conventions because we agreed to. Yes, but we, the decider decided that he wasn't going to do that anymore, right? Well, it's just like this woman said. They're, not, they're just not interested in international law, are they? There is no rule of law. We have the rule of men over the rule of law. That's that, our problem in this country. See, that's, that's the bottom line. Now, you, take, you turn around and you look at what happened in Venezuela... Mm-hmm. And I said to Drew, I said, the only thing, and, I, and you and I talked about this, with the two different blocks of 73 different, you know, things, and you had to vote for all A or all B or something, or, you know, you couldn't separate it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I give Chavez credit for, he's abiding, by the way, what the people said, isn't he? Well, yeah. He I just, mean, he's not, he's not turning around and saying, I don't care how you voted, I'm staying in office forever. No, he's got to leave in five years. I'm now. the decider. He's no longer the decider. Well, and you know what? Honestly, Al, you know, wait, this is crazy. You know what? The thing is, this business about all the papers saying, uh, you know, Chavez, uh, boy, oh, he lost has, the election, they're saying. Well, yeah. they're saying that, which is crap, because it wasn't about him. But it wasn't I mean, about him, no. Even as much as he'd like it to be about him, it's not about you, Hugo. It was you, not Hugo. about him. No, it was not. You know, but the thing is, they're going, well, if he would have won... Uh, he'd have been president for life. Well, that's not what that's it said. That's not true. No, that's not true. It gave, you know what it did? It gave one it extra gave year. gave him the opportunity to keep on being elected as long that's as they right. were elected. It gave him one extra year. It added one year to the presidency, I believe. Five years now, I think. I think, it yeah, but five I think. Five or seven. And I think, I think they wanted to make it seven. Yeah, but they turned it to five. Well, it's been five, isn't it? Oh, it has been five, so they wanted to add two years then. Well, one or two, whatever it is. They wanted to make it a little longer, not much, like a yeah. year or two, max, two uh-huh. years. And then he'd have to be reelected every That's time. That's right. He would have to be reelected. It wasn't that he was going to stay in office like Jorge. No, if he lost an election, he'd be out. He'd be gone. He just wants the opportunity to run again. That's right. You know what? And I believe, Al, I really, truly believe, if he would have taken that out by itself, and said, look, everybody, we're voting on one thing, and that's adding Yeah, this thing with 37 or 73 different things was stupid, Frank, as far as I'm concerned. It was a real miscalculation on on either his part or his advisor's part or whoever came up uh, with that. I think Drew said something that the people in government who were opposed to him wanted this garbage so they could, uh, how do you say, muddy the waters? Make him look bad. Something like that, yeah. Because, Frank, if you and I had to vote on two separate blocks of referendums, and if there's three things in there we don't like and we vote for all the rest, we, we get the three we don't like. And I said to Drew, I said, if you're going to have stuff like this, you have to have individual referendums. It's either yes or no. Well, right? Yeah, well, Al, you know, the first, the first minute I get to something I don't like, the answer's no. That's right. You know, well, I don't want to be stuck. If I vote yes on the other 72, I don't want to be stuck with the one I don't want. Because the way I figure is I've lived this long without having the things I think is good. Yeah. I'm not going to swallow this nasty stuff that I think is going to really make my life m- miserable. You, you know, know, I got somebody, no. I got somebody in Illinois telling me that I've got to have a cell phone. I says, you know, 
I've lived without a cell phone now for 62 years. Do you think I could make it for another 38 years without it? I mean, isn't that the same thing that people say you have to have this, you have to have that? What if you don't want it, Frank? Well, yeah. Then just say no, like Nancy Reagan said. Just say no, like I've been saying no to the Gestapo for the last 23 years. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the thing. I mean, people, we, we need to get to a point where... But now there's a problem, though, in What's America. That? Well, the problem is people don't seem to get it, okay? I mean, like you experience. Talking to me, fine. On the radio, fine. Callers call in. They love us. They thank us. They they, 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 they blah, appreciate blah, blah. it, you know, and all that. And But the bottom line is when the listeners go out and talk to somebody who's not an AVR listener, when you do, when I do, when Melissa does, and we try to talk to our even friends and family that You mean they look at you like you came off a turnip boat or something, you mean? Yeah, like we are completely crazy. You know what the problem is, Frank? That idiot box has got them so conditioned that it's, it's like I said to Drew. I says, you know, it's like you're telling them the truth, and they don't want their... It's like Jorge. His mind is made up. He don't care about the facts. <laughs> that's right. That's right, and they can't believe it. I mean, that's the whole thing. They, it's not that they, they, they can't. They just can't believe it. You know what amazes me, Frank, is that the want the people who get uh, you know go up for tax evasion, the few that get acquitted, mm-hmm. I'm amazed because most people have the mindset: if I go to pay, Frank, you gotta pay. That's yeah. the mindset, Frank. It's the people have what's the word? The people of this country have been Pavlov's dogs now for what the last what ninety years or more. If I have to be tortured, you have to be tortured. That's right. If I got if I got to go take that flu shot or that vaccination, you better take it or goodbye. Right? Well, yeah, and they're actually convincing people that these flu shots are good for you. Ugh. I well, mean, really, I'll be over there in Carolina. They're saying if your kid doesn't get the vaccination or the flu shot, you're going to jail. I have told him to stuff it so far, you know, up that skirty wears uh man i'll tell you <laughs> i'm serious you know you're telling me that i gotta poison my kid or there's I'm no t- you way know my kid's gonna take you that know what shot. you go ahead you go for it yeah because, you go you know try what? to put me in jail and see well you you, you better you better bring a whole bunch of armed boys because well, you, might you better get... you know what you'd better do because we need to we need to go to the higher courts on this because you know what i'm gonna sue you until you ain't got a place to live that's right I, you know, I mean, really. And You're going to wish you were never born, or I'm going to own all your property. And, and sue him in his personal capacity because he has no official capacity to force people to vaccinate anything. That's right. And by the way, I think the thing that's really good for next year, we're supposed to get this real ID garbage. Yeah. Guess what? A lot of states are saying, no way, Jose, we ain't paying for it. Well, that's true. Uh, I had that uh, congressman on from... Uh, uh, Missouri, a uh, couple. Yeah, uh, that guy. Ago yeah, so. what's his name? Yeah, I wish I could remember his name. I right can't now. remember I his name either. But uh, I'm, I'm going to try to have him back on again because he was really good and he's really hot on that. I'll he's tell really you what: the that. fact that Ron Paul is within 1.5 million of his 12, mm-hmm. I think he's going to get his money, and I think sure, he's, he's got, got a whole month. Hampshire. He's got a whole month. He's got a whole month to well, get. He's got that the 12. rest of this month, right? Right. Well, it's only the fourth. Today's well. There's 27 days left. Yeah. 
And you know what, Frank? I think he is going to win New Hampshire. I really do believe it. I'm not sure about Iowa, but New Hampshire, I think he's got a real good chance. Well, I hope he does. And and in Iowa, you know what? I don't even. I'm not even sure I understand this whole caucus garbage. I, you know, what is it? You got to pay to vote, or you can only vote if you're uh, know the right guy. You got to be. Right no, way. you got to be registered as an elephant or a donkey. I don't think you're allowed to be an independent in that. I'm not sure about that. Trump might know that. Yeah. Why is it a caucus rather than a, a than a a uh, primary. I mean, a primary is just like a regular election. I mean, you just go down, you cast your ballot, you do your thing. What's a caucus? I mean, they've had these caucuses before, and some of them you've got to pay. Well, that's garbage. Yeah, well, some of the them you've had to pay. Anyway. And, and by the way, are they going to use the dumbbell machines or not? This, I mean, that's the one nice thing that I was listening to Drew's show yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, they had so many checks and balances on that voting. If we had the checks and balances on the voting they had in Venezuela, Jorge wouldn't have, nobody would have known who Jorge was. Al Gore would have won in 2000. Yep. Really? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, this Al guy, Gore did win in 2000. He got screwed. You know. And, and, and what's his name? Kerry, he just threw it. Kerry basically came out in front of everybody and just threw the election the next day. Yeah, and nobody uh And nobody, nobody said word. boo. And nobody said boo, did they? No. At least, you know, at least the whole Al Gore. You know, and and just the whole thing about going to the Supreme Court was ridiculous. Number Not, one, what has the Supreme Court ever decided an election in this country's history? Well, you nobody know, what? was screaming about this. How come nobody was screaming it about does, it? It doesn't matter. I mean, go find that in the Constitution now. I where, can't where, find it. where it says, uh, you know, if there's any kind of problems with an election, let the Supreme Court Well, decide. they don't care because the Constitution is just the GD piece of paper, and it's just good for toilet paper, now, according to them, anyway. They don't, they're doing what they want to, aren't they, Frank? Until we, until, we, until we turn around and enforce the Constitution on them, they're going to get away with this crap. Well, and that's the point that I keep bringing up, and, and I hate to belabor it, but I'm really disappointed in the upper echelons of the military. Oh, yeah. Well, I told Drew I was surprised that uh, Bush, Cheney, and the rest of the criminals weren't in the stockade already by this time. Because, I mean, that whole, we're going to go to let the Supreme Court decide, you know, somebody at the Pentagon should have said, wait a minute. Hey, that's not how the program works. Wait a minute. No, you're not. If there's a problem, we'll have a we'll do the election over again. That's what they should have done. You know, but uh, this isn't part of the deal. Mm-hmm. This is not, you you know, uh-uh, sorry. No, no. We all took an oath here, and uh, we're the ones with the guns, so we're going to be enforcing it. That's right. That's what they should have said. Did you know that when uh, Captain Billy was president, several groups of uh, military tried to arrest him? Guess what happened? They had a little accident in their airplane. Huh. Two groups of uh, military tried to arrest or were going to arrest Clinton. Twice. Man. When he was president, I don't know if it was the first or the second term, maybe one in each term, but they uh, had, they met with an unfortunate accident in their airplane. Yeah. And that, that that happens to be, you can find, you can look that up on the net and find that out, Frank. It is there, it did happen. You just didn't hear it on the, uh, you know, Comedy Oh, no, News no, Network. no, we don't want to talk about that. You oh, know, no, Comedy News Network, we got to know what uh, Brittany and Paris are up to this week, because uh, Dancing with the Stars is more important, right? Apparently. Evidently. <laughs> Apparently it is, you know. But, yeah. you know, they keep talking about in Congress about how, you, you've heard this, the surge is working. Right? Yeah, really working, yeah. You've heard this, right? Yeah, the, that's the why there's 600,000 dead Iraqis. <laughs> well, the surge is working. Well, radical Shiite uh, cleric, 
Moquata Alcader. It's Alcader. Oh, okay. I'll just, uh, yeah, yeah whatever his name is. Yeah. I'll, just, uh, I'll just keep it to that because that's what I can say. Yeah, that's about all I can say. Overnight, he blasted the U.S. President George W. Bush for signing a deal with Baghdad that insure, ensures a long-term American military presence in Iraq. Which we have no business being there in the first place. You know, what? anyway. I hey, say, we're not leaving, Frank. Are we? Why aren't the it? people getting it? Why aren't they understanding that, you know, why why would we want to stay there? What What is the American interest to stand there like this? But The American interest for standing there is to make sure that the oil companies screw the Iraqis out of every last dime they can. That's yeah, but, the, you know, okay, you know what? I'm going to be blunt. As an American, fine. But they're screwing us, too. Oh, absolutely. Wait a minute. We're we paying $3.21 a gallon of gasoline here, Al. Well, let me tell you, Satan Way must have made a mistake last week because I paid two sixty nine after the $0.10. Cents yeah, well, not here in Oregon, you didn't. Not in Oregon, I didn't, but here in Colorado, I didn't. I said, wait a minute. I walked into the station. I said, the lady I, I, I do business with, I said, is somebody smoking something? It's $3 and something down in the city, and here it's $0.30 cents less? Something, yeah. something wasn't right, or maybe they're trying to get more uh, business or that something. That might be it, but, you know, the thing is, I mean... Do you remember at the beginning of the Iraqi war? How much it was? Well, no. Some questions were raised about, well, golly, uh, President, uh, gee, uh, you know, we got this big debt and we've got this, uh, well, trade deficit problem going on. Uh, How are we going to pay for all this war? Well, we're just going to run the presses and put it on the back of Joe Lunchbucket taxpayer. We don't care. That's how they're going to do it. But that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Of course not. What he said was, oh, Never oh, fear. The oil revenues are going to pay yeah, for it. There you go. The, the Iraqi, oil revenues are going to pay that's for right. this That's right. The garbage. Iraqi oil revenues will yeah, pay sure. for Yeah, sure. Yeah, you see how they're paying for it, don't you? They haven't paid for anything. You know, they haven't even paid for that big embassy over there that they're building. Oh, you mean on that billion-dollar uh, boondoggle in the, yeah. in the desert? Yeah, biggest on the planet. 104 acres. There isn't an embassy, a U.S. embassy in there's, the world that's no, that big. Nobody's got an embassy that big. Nobody. Nowhere. You uh, know, and the thing is, what happens when it's surrounded and it's time to really leave? Like, you know, out of Saigon, helicopters on the roof. Hey, sort of it, uh, hey give them a chance. It's uh, not over. It's, it ain't over. With the fat lady hasn't sung yet, So you just we're just going to build this billion-dollar thing and give it to them? Um, I'm telling you... The American sheep are so, uh, what's the word, enamored of that idiot box. They don't want to be bothered with this, Frank. They don't want to hear this. Well, Why do you think American, if American Voice Radio was heard on every radio and TV outlet 24-7, I think the people would start rioting. Yeah, they'd probably be rioting right here and trying to kill me. That's right, because they don't want to hear your garbage, Yeah, Frank. that's true. I'm, and, trying, uh, I'm trying to be smart about it. I'm telling you what the truth is. Well, I recognize that, Al, but you know the Frank, thing. they want to be entertained. They don't want to think for themselves, and they want Uncle Sam, if possible, to go to the bathroom for them. That's true, Al, but you know what? There, well, I understand what part of the problem is, and part of the problem is, and we are part of the problem, Al. We've been part of the problem tonight. Because we've been telling people what's wrong here, what's but going on. But they don't want to hear it, do they, Frank? They don't want to hear it because what can they do about it, You know Al? what, Frank? If we would talk about Brittany and Paris and, and all the football and the sports and stuff, they'd be loving it, wouldn't they, Frank? Well, you know, you have a point, Al, because the thing is, 
people got no problem talking for hours on television about some football games. Who cares? Well, the thing is, all the people watching at home listen to this stuff day in and day out, hour after hour, about not watching the game, mind you, Al. Listening, yeah, listening to somebody talk about the game, okay? Oh, so it's like uh, it's like election night. They're going to tell you what you saw. After the debate yeah. is over, they're going to tell you what the, what the candidate said, But, right? Al, you know, I was just going to say something, and now I'm not so sure it's true, because I was going to say, you know, one of the reasons people don't want to hear this is because, you know, it's difficult to tell people, well, okay, here's the problem, and here's what we need to do about it. But, yeah. You know, but they don't want to they do it. feel helpless. And but the thing is, okay, the same people go, ah, well, what can I do? Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, you don't want to listen to me because, hey, what can you do? Well, but you'll stand there and you'll listen for hours upon hours to the football game. And what can you do about that? You can't do anything about the football game is over. Your team lost. His team lost. Their okay, team lost. Let's talk about the pregame show then, Al. Before the game even happens, they're talking about the game. Uh-huh. Can you do anything about it then, Al? Absolutely not. So at no time, no way can a fan watching on television do anything about anything to he do with that no football game. He has no control over the game. If his team is losing, they're losing. He can't make them win. Yet they'll sit there and scream at the TV and spend hours upon hours watching this stuff, right? <laughs> because they're conditioned. I, like I said, the Pavlov's dogs of the United States. Well, I'll tell you what. You know what, folks? You can do something about this. And uh, it's not just, okay, look, go in the closet, get your revolver, and get no. the silver bullet out. No, and I'll tell you where, And I'll tell you where to shoot because uh, you got the silver bullet. There ain't no silver bullet. You know bullet. what, Frank? You know, I heard Bob say to, uh, uh, to uh, Drew on his show, uh, what was it, Friday, a couple Fridays ago, we got to vote all the, all the idiots out. You know what, Frank? That's it. I'll bet you, come next November, how many incumbents do you think are going to stay in there, Frank? I'll 70%. Bet you. How much? 70%. Maybe them. more. Yep. Yep. So, for Bob, to, I agree with Bob. we got to get them all out That's of there. That's true. That's true. I and, agree with Bob. we got to get everyone who's in there now out the, of there. And the average, Al, is 80%. See, I'm, I'm actually giving the American people a 10% credit wow, a 10% there, percent discount, know. huh? Well, yeah, because I figure, you know, they got to be pissed off a little bit at least. I mean, the dummies in Massachusetts have been putting this idiot in there for, oh, what, 30-something yeah. years? I think there's something wrong in the water up there. I, I, I mean, you, come I, on. You know, but hey, you know, what about Arizona? John McCain? Hello? Yeah, they did the same thing with him, too, didn't they? Yeah, he's still a senator. You know, come I'll on. I'll tell you what the big problem is. Hillary is running for president. Let's say she gets the nomination because we know she is. <laughs> she automatically loses. If she loses, she doesn't get to be senator again like Kerry. Why not? Kerry should never have been allowed. As soon as Kerry ran against Bush, somebody else should have been running for his seat. Well, sure, but she's gonna, if she loses, she's still senator. That's yeah. right, and that she shouldn't be. She should no. be out of politics. No, she should already be out of politics. Look, she should have never been in politics. the Founding Fathers, and I've said this to Drew many times on his show, the Founding Fathers made one mistake. They didn't give them a, a specific time and get their rear ends out of there. None of this 40, 50, 60 years like Senator Birdbrain from uh, West Virginia. Yeah, well, I'm for term limits, Al. One, one, one term in Congress, one term in One in jail. Prison. Yeah, there you go. I think yeah. that they all should be out every two years. You should have a president that brains for four years, and he has two separate Congresses, and they only get to meet one month in each well, year. 
Al, we got to get the Senate elected uh, by the state legislatures again. We got oh, so get... in other words, we're going to get rid of the 17th Amendment. That's right. It needs to be repealed. We need and to go so back to the back And so the 16th Amendment. Has well, to let's go bye just bye. do one thing at a time, Al. See, there's, there is things you can do, folks. Matter of fact, I saw a, uh, a, a guy collecting signatures down at the uh, hardware store today. For what? Uh, to limit warrants by... Uh, uh, prosecutors and also to limit fees lawyers can charge in civil cases. Hmm. Uh, you know, they both sound good to me. i got to look into those. Al, look at the clock. We're look out of time. time. Man, I'm telling you, our, our, our little time machine really speeds along. It really does, but thanks for being here tonight, Al. Talk to you later. All Have right. a good night. You too. That was Al from Colorado, and uh, this is Francis Steffen signing off for the night. I'll see you again tomorrow. You stay tuned if you missed, uh, well, actually, I didn't do an earlier show, so uh, we'll play a replay from some other time. Maybe I'll play something special. Yeah, I'll play something special next. Y'all stay tuned, and then there'll be Drew and Bo and the, the whole overnight schedule. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Thanks for listening. How I cannot share your laughter Thanks for listening to the Frank Report. SwissAmerica.com reports gold fell under $800 Wednesday as the dollar firmed following data showing upbeat jobs and productivity. Gold closed in New York down $3.90 to $797.20 an ounce. Silver rose $0.03 cents to $14.30. According to the Chicago Board of Trade, investors are placing a 100% bet that the Fed will lower interest rates by at least a quarter point to 4.25% on December 11th. More at SwissAmerica.com. $800 gold should be telling you many things. First, inflation is two to three times higher than reported. Second, the Fed will sacrifice the dollar to fight a recession. Third, gold prices, having already tripled since 2001, must nearly triple again to exceed their 1980 high. Swiss America has compressed 25 years into a 25-minute Gold 101 DVD kit that's free. Call 800-B-U-Y-C-O-I-N. That's 800-289-2646. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us. Spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Whether using your cell or cordless phone for business or staying in touch with family, your radiation exposure due to phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield developed for ultimate radiation protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield is proven and tested.
tested to block radiation without affecting reception. It makes a great Father's Day gift. Order your Wave Shield today for only $25, which includes priority shipping with delivery confirmation. Send $25 today to Frank Stephan, that's S-T-E-F-F-A-N, at 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. That's Frank Stephan, 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. Went to see the captain, Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still December 5th, the year 2007. Still Wednesday, and it's about 8.05 in the evening out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And that means, you know, if it's what would that be? 8, 9, uh, 9, 10, 11, 11 o'clock Eastern, right? There you go. And everybody else in between is just going to have to figure it out. Anyway, uh, let's see here. I uh, I got to go see some stuff here. Let me first tell you how you can tell your friends to listen. And you should tell your friends to listen because, folks, they're not going to hear stuff like they're going to hear on this network, not just my show. Gianni Hayes had on uh, just uh, an hour ago, it ended, uh, Paul Craig Roberts, Colonel Paul Craig Roberts, and he was, uh, he, he's got a lot of fantastic information. A lot of the stuff a lot of you folks out there have heard, but your friends haven't, okay? People still believe, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy. Uh, you know, Lee Harvey McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma buildings. Lee Harvey uh, 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 bin Laden uh, knocked down the towers. Uh Lee Harvey Hussein uh, was in Iraq helping them. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. And, and that is the general belief in the public. Why? Because they heard it on TV and they walked away and said, okay, I know something. Well, they don't know anything. They're completely ignorant. And you got to do your part to try to educate them. Why? Well, let's first take the high road, shall we? <laughs> Let's take the Christian high road. You want to help them because you want them to start seeing the truth. Because once they start seeing the truth, once they get a taste of the truth, they'll want more of the truth. And part of that truth could be the salvation Jesus Christ offers to them. And they may take it. 
and have their souls saved and not have to spend eternity burning in hell as we all deserve. But, let's see here. I've got a call. I want to see who this is. Go ahead, caller. Yes, guess who? What are you doing here? I'm always... i got to put my two cents in I thought I told you never to call me here. Okay, I want that. What the heck? <laughs> okay. You know, i got to put my two cents in. I just found out about this the, shooting just a little bit. It's about, about all you got, right? Left is two cents. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Tell us about the shooting. Well, you mean you didn't hear about it? Of course I did. Five dead, or is it more now? No, in, uh, it's Nebraska? eight, nine dead, including the idiot who, who who did the shooting. But you know, isn't it interesting, Frank, mm. that the gun grabbers are just going to love and swarm on this and say, well, oh, we have to take your guns away now well, because we can't protect the people at the mall. Well, Al... Well, Al, do you mean like the gun grabbers on the Supreme Court who are going to be ruling on that D.C. case here in February? Do you oh, mean those maybe gun them grabbers? And maybe uh, queen, the Queen. She's going to love it. She's going to yeah, she's going to swoop down on this like stink on you know what. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think she is. You don't think so? No, I don't think any politician is. You know why? Because they've been hammered down. So many times, because you know why? Americans like their guns. Americans right. don't want to give up their guns. No, I don't care. You don't blame them. Don't and, blame the gun for this. The gun didn't Al, pick itself up and kill those eight people. And Al, this is an election year coming up. So, no, politicians are not going to mention taking guns away from people in an election year. I doubt they're going to mention it. And they don't have to because they've got their shills on the Supreme Court to do it for them. Uh, well, we have to see if these dummies vote the right way or the wrong way in February, don't we, Frank? Well, you know what? There is a there is a surface wrong way and right way. The wrong way would be to say, well, it's a uh, combined. Uh, it's a collective right. It's a collective right, and a, and it's a collective right for the militia, which we've determined is the National Guard, which is now federalized and the regular army. So basically, uh, it's the right of the army to have weapons. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, right, okay. Yeah, sure. Like, some idiot was going to write that down, right, because we didn't know the Army's allowed to have weapons. Yeah, I mean, right? uh, we had that, somebody had to, uh, we had to figure that out for <laughs> right. ourselves, we, right? We need the Second Amendment to tell us that. Yeah, yeah. The thing, right. <laughs> you see, the thing is, Al, that would be the surface wrong way to vote, because, uh-huh. you know, I mean, the thing is, and it would be a real good indicator on where they're going, okay, uh-huh. and, and what we need to do, which is to say, come and get them. It took the cops nine or ten minutes nearly to get to that mall after it started. Can you believe that? What if some of the people in that mall had been, uh, how do we say, uh, carrying concealed? Do you think they might have stopped it real quick, Frank, huh? In, in, in what do they say, a heartbeat? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Al, if I'm sitting in the mall and I got a gun in my pocket and I see a guy cap somebody in the store, you know what? I'm going to shoot him. Absolutely. You're not going to sit there and wait for them to call 9-11 while the cops are out giving their tickets. No, I'm going to shoot him. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, gee, I think most people would. But you see, Al, let's, let's look at this ruling here because that is the gist of the ruling. Is it a collective right or is it an individual right? And, and the is thing, that what this whole thing is boiling well, down to? This is what, you mean whether individuals can have it or it must be the militia? Blah, this, blah, blah. Is, this is what the experts are saying that uh, this whole thing is about, is that this is how the ruling is going to come down. That's what they're saying, okay? Why so, didn't they okay. rule on this 200-and-something years ago if somebody had a complaint? Is Man, my they don't want to rule. They don't want to. They've got a reason why, and I don't know what it is. But they want to disarm us, Frank, so they can take us to the camps. 
But here's the thing, and here's the part where education is important, because if you're educated, you will realize that it doesn't matter how they rule, because the bottom line is, you're all in the militia. If you've got a gun, you're already in the militia. You've already been designated part of the militia, whether you like it or not. So you know what? If it's the right of the militia, good. Thanks for clarifying that. Well, my question to you, Frank, is we're going to assume the queen is going to get in a year from now, okay? We're going to assume that, okay? I don't like She's that. going to turn around and she's going to say, well, the Supreme Court said that it's a collective right and blah, 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 and I don't care. I'm going to determine who the militia is, not you. This is how these politicians think. Yes, uh, but don't right? you see where education is important now? Yeah. Because if you don't know you're in the militia, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, they're taking our guns away. Only the National Guard's going to be allowed to have any weapons. That's what people are going to think, because they're going to think, oh, well, the militia's the National Guard. No, the militia, the, the, the National Guard has been considered by them. And I don't, you know what, that was then and this is now. because Al, right. Al, I'll tell you what, the National Guard at one time, when they were under the control of the state legislature and the governor, yeah, maybe they were the organized militia but i'll tell you right now the national guard has been completely federalized and they are no longer the national guard they are regular duty and the only difference between them and regular army is once they get back from their tour of duty whatever long that's going to be two three years however long whatever decide you know the decider will decide these things yeah the decider decides everything for everybody right (laughs) well yeah and whenever that's over uh, they'll let them come home, and they get to go back to their unemployment because, you see, that's what they've got to come home to now. Yeah, but you've got to understand something, Frank. Second Amendment notwithstanding, you and I and everybody else listening to the show have had the God-given right since dirt, since Christ walked on the face of the earth to protect ourselves. Well, you know what? Back in the day of Christ... They didn't have handguns. They they didn't have rifles. They had swords. They had swords, yeah. And Jesus told his disciples to sell their coats and go buy a sword. That's right. So apparently, uh, it is biblical, it is Christian to have the means to defend yourself. Absolutely. I don't care what laws these prostitutes... uh, You know, so all those 501 prostitutes out there that call themselves pastors, like Mike Huckabee... Uh, that are t- going to tell their their flock that oh no no oh, you no. got to uh, got to turn in your guns it's, and let the police protect that's you right? right it's not Christian like to have a gun it's not Christian like uh, oh and besides let's throw in Romans thirteen and say and if they make it the law you know you got to obey the government yeah God yeah made the government yeah here. well what is it render unto Caesar that which is Caesar doesn't have anything as far as Caesar's been dead for six thousand years well and the thing is render to Caesar what Caesar's you know what. My right to defend myself was never Caesar's. That's right, and it, it, and it also preceded the, the, the formation of the government, the Constitution, the Declaration, and everything else. You know what? People need to start taking their Christianity a little more seriously and look at what's going on now. Who gave you your life, Al? The Creator did. Frank. That's right. Not government. Not uh, we don't get our rights. We, government has no power to give anybody Al, rights. Did you do something? To get this gift, I mean, or was it just a gift? It's by our birth. It's called a birthright, Frank, I think is what they call it, is it not? Well, I don't think just the act of being born is a birthright. Yeah, but, but I mean, what I'm saying it's a is... Gift. Life is a gift in my yeah, in my absolutely. Thing. You know, and, and the thing about... Now, I would say being allowed to defend that life is a birthright. That's what I'm trying to... You know, yeah, I, maybe I should have put it that way. But, you know, being 
born, being alive, experiencing life here is a gift from God. And the thing is, uh, as getting a gift from God, I don't think he'd appreciate me just letting Antichrist come over and say, I'm taking that. Good luck. You know, I think there's a thing as being a good steward, too. You know, like, okay, I've got this gift from God. Now I think I'm kind of obligated to take care of it, right? Yeah, sort of protect it, sort of, Protect yeah. it, take care of it. It's just like your children, folks. Yeah. You've got an obligation to take care of them, to protect them. Your life is no different. Okay. Frank, you've had the right of self-defense from day one before any government, before any document, before any politician, bureaucrat, or whatever. Well, I'm going one step further, Al, and I'm not saying it's a right to protect yourself. It's a duty? It's a duty. It's an obligation to mm-hmm. the Creator to protect yourself, to protect the life that He gave you. Mm-hmm. It's not your... It's not your... You don't have any authority to give it up to evil, you know... No! You know... We weren't put here to be servants to government. Government was supposed to be the servant to us. And what has it done? It's turned itself into the master. But, Al, some preachers will say, but the Bible but says, the Bible says, if I you're a slave. I don't what the Bible says. Well, I right? do, the Al. The Bible might be, there might be a few goodies in there that, uh, you know, was thrown in, what do we call it, trick questions? No, I don't think so, Al. It's, it's misinterpretation and, uh-huh. and lack of understanding and ignorance. The uh-huh. Bible, there's not a problem with the Bible, Al. There's a problem with us. And you mean the, the interpretation and the quicker of we start, And the quicker we start realizing that as a people, the better off we'll be. There's Wait, nothing man, wrong with the know, Bible. They say that the Supreme Court is there to interpret the Constitution, but the last time I looked, Frank, the Constitution was written in perfectly nice English, wasn't it? Well, yeah. It wasn't written in Swahili. It wasn't written in Chinese, was and, it? And there's nothing in the... You see, whether... What is there to interpret, Frank? Well, whether it is or not, there, that, that authority is not given to them in the Constitution. It doesn't say anyway. They are there to settle disputes, mm-hmm. not to interpret the yeah. Constitution. Well, wait a minute, we've got the decider making laws now and signing statements and all this other garbage. Mm, well, yeah. Oh, by the way, Frank, I'm still working. I can't find anything in that uh, GD piece of paper giving, uh, what's this word, executive orders? Yeah, that's not Who there Who died either. and left these people in charge is what I want to know, Frank. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, he, Abraham Lincoln did the first, I think, yeah, uh, he was the first executive, executive order. order giver, but they never should have let him do it because he had no authority to well, do who, it. Well, who, they were in war. I mean, the law is gone when you're at war. I mean, that's just the way it is. People can say all they want about, well, Geneva Convention this and, and uh, international law that. And, but you know what? Once you start shooting each other, the law is pretty much gone. Uh, I mean, don't you think, Al? Well, you know, I'm, my understanding is that the only thing that is, the, what is it, the habeas corpus writ is to be suspended in that's times right. of rebellion, that's blah, right. blah. But that's about it, Frank. It's not to say, hey, all of a sudden, yeah, we're in a shooting war, but, uh, you know, you don't get to make any new rules here. That's right. By law, they don't. But you see, when you're at war, uh, people do what they want to do, and if you don't like it, you have to kill them. Uh-huh. That's what war's about, you That's see. That's true. And the Abraham Lincoln justified what he did by saying it was necessary. Yeah. Okay, the law of necessity. 
Oh, they and that, that, that's what's called the big cop-out, Frank. Yeah, well, they make it up as they go along. He was no different. Every president after him has done the same thing, whether we're at war or not. Because, you know, the bottom line is we've never not been at war since the Civil War. That's true. We've been in, and we've been in a state of, uh, of what we call a uh, technical martial law since then, too, haven't we? Well, the Reconstruction Acts, you know, that basically put the South under martial law, uh, put the whole country under martial law. It didn't just apply to them, it applied oh, to the whole country. Oh, the whole mess. If the South had won, things might be a little different today, huh? Well, it, I'm sure it'd be a lot different, you know. If the South had won, you wouldn't see this country the way it is today. There's no question about it. Yeah, well, you know. The problem that I've, we have, Frank, is that we have people out there who think they know what's best for Alan, Frank, and uh, Melissa, and Drew, and you're going to do what we say or we're going to kill you. Well, now listen. You, you you make a good point there about uh, people deciding what the now here's something and I know this interests you Congress White House and lenders are wrestling to effort to effort with efforts to head off defaults. Oh yeah, the Bush wants to freeze the mortgage rates for five years with some two million homeowners facing higher monthly payments that many won't be able to afford. Conditions in the housing industry easily could get worse before they get better. A lot depends on new home on how homeowners, lenders, and investors respond as they try to head off defaults and foreclosures before they happen. So far, the complexity of the problem has hampered the complexity. You know what, Al? This doesn't seem very complex to me. It seems as though the banks went out and loaned money at real low interest rates, yes. and they loaned it to people who, could who couldn't own, afford Well, it. they could afford those low interest rates, but they can't afford any more. They couldn't make the payments, But now. those lenders made them variable. And now that the Fed has raised interest rates, well, they raised them too, and now all those people can't afford because they shouldn't have got those loans at all. Because they never was, should have been given those loans in the first place. There was place. no breathing room whatsoever. I mean, I'll tell you what's going to happen if Bush passes this thing where he freezes mortgage rates. The big losers are going to be the banks. Well, and I'm all for that. Hey, I hope the banks, I hope 90% of them go under, Frank. I really do. Ah, uh, but you see, they won't allow them to do that. Oh, so they'll just run the presses some more to keep the presses right. You'll run the presses and just put more paper in circulation, okay. right? Yeah, one of the proposals, and I think this is the one you mentioned, announced this week by Treasury officials, after a similar plan was unveiled last month in California, would freeze interest rates on adjustable mortgages for borrowers who are currently keeping up with their payments. The hope is that by refinancing these loans, the wider damage to the housing and lending industries from bad loans and foreclosure sales can be minimized. There is value in these loans, said Sheila Baer, chairwoman of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Those phonies, huh? Yeah, well, do you know why they don't want anything failing? They don't want anything failing because... They haven't got enough money to cover the deposit, Exactly, and everybody would figure it out. You see, because everybody figures, well, my money... My deposits are insured up to a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, good luck and try getting them out when yeah. when 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 Hera, Hera Bushler closes the bank. Well, do you know how they they have it figured? The biggest depositors get paid first. Uh huh. So if you've got uh you know so if you got five thousand bucks in there, you might say goodbye to it. Oh uh, yeah, for many years. I'm uh, pretty sure, you know. You know what's going to happen, Frank? They don't dare close the banks because you know what's going to happen? There's going to be politicians swinging from every tree in Washington, D.C. if they close the banks. People are not going to put up with this a second time. Now, listen. She says something truthful here. What's so that? brace yourself. Oh. They, they can't perform at the reset. 
That means the rates, the reset oh, rates. Oh no! If they raise the rates, they're gonna, they're gonna, their people are gonna default. Well, they've already, they've already raised them, and they can't perform because those resets were never realistic. Mm-hmm. You see what she said there. Now that's a nice way of saying these people should have hey, never been giving. them even more. Huh? These people should have never been giving the, these loans. That's right. I mean, you go, okay, Al, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a 5% loan. I know yeah, you can pay that. Yeah, but it might go up in two years, though, Well, it's, it's pretty much you can count on it's going to go up, Al. Yeah. Uh, and but and Al, guess what? If Al loses his job or Frank loses his job, guess what? It's out the door, baby. Well, that's, Al, that's pretty much everybody with a mortgage. Yes. So y'all better but not, not lose But not everybody has an ARM either, though, Frank. Well, that's right. But if you lose your job, it doesn't matter what the interest well, rate is. Well, it doesn't matter if you have an ARM or, or, or a fixed-rate mortgage. If you lose your job, you ain't going to be uh, sitting in those four walls anymore. Well, you'll be at Walmart uh, saying, welcome to Walmart. you know, Or something the, like that, or be sleeping under the bridge. Yep. You well, know, Frank, I think that the banks really need some hot... You know something, as Bob Chapman said... It's time for the American taxpayer to stop bailing out the government and Wall Street because Wall Street's been bailed out many times, Frank, many times. Well, that's true, and and now and it's time it's time for the music to stop on Wall a, Street, don't you qu- think? Here's a quote by the director of the National Association of Compu- uh, Consumer Advocates that says, "What you have right now is an industry that is under siege and doesn't really know what to do." Well, yeah. You know what Bob said? It's cheaper to give everybody the house and let the bank go in the in the toilet. That's right. I think they right. should. But how about the people who spent 30 years paying their houses? They're going to say, hey, that ain't fair. You gave Frank that house. He only paid three years, and you're giving him a free house. I had to pay for 30 years. That's what's going to happen. Now, listen here. Here's a proposal. It's making its way through Congress. Mm-hmm. And it would give homeowners a bigger stick. By changing the bankruptcy law to allow courts to set new loan terms. Oh, the banks are going to love that. Guess what? Current law bars judges from changing the terms of a primary mortgage. Well, wait a minute. What do the judges have to do with the, 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 the judges? Have, uh, what are you getting the law involved with the, uh, with the banking rates? Well, the thing is, you Unless go to the, the, well, the because government the, comes in and Al, says, okay. Al, where, Al, where do you think the, the bank's going to take you to? They're going to take you to bankruptcy court. Yes, but what if the government comes in and says, okay, Mr. Banker, no one can charge more than 5% on any house loan. Good. The banks ain't going to like it, but that's too bad. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. Go, go lend money somewhere else. That's right. Maybe well, that's what the government should have done in the first place. They said, hey, by law, the most you can charge on any loan is, let's say, 5 or 6%. And, just, and if you don't like it, get out of the country. Go and, somewhere and else. Just think of the, these guys now. Now listen to how they think. It's always about them and their bottom line, Al. Oh, they, they want us to pay for their mistakes, uh, Frank. Some of us have stopped doing that. See, because now the thing is, they're saying, well... The thinking's got to change for the lender. If we do nothing, the homeowner does nothing, may go bankrupt and go to bankruptcy court and modify the loan in terms that are worse to us than if we just worked it out ourselves. So you see, the industry is kind of looking at, you see, the banks... They, the banks want to be bailed out, Well, right? they ain't going to like it. The thing is, they ain't going to like the, the court saying, look, uh, this is the interest rate on this. But you know what? They're going yeah. like, to like it a whole lot less when everybody defaults on their mortgage, and they're stuck with all these houses and all these angry people and nothing to do. I Two mean, million Al, houses. That's Al, ain't it better to get 5% than no percent? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you, know? you know, wouldn't it have been smarter, Frank, 
for the government to say there isn't going to be any private banking. The government's going to handle all the banking. It's going to be a non-profit, totally non-profit. You do have to pay your loan back, Frank. Don't get me wrong. Sure. You get money from the government, but the government isn't going to collect any interest. Do you understand? Well, yeah. And, and you know, the thing, I'm not even against certain, uh, you know, okay, if I borrow 10 bucks. Uh, I don't give back eleven. I no. don't. You see, I don't have a problem with giving back eleven. Is if you can justify to me, well, what's the bucks for? Well, the bucks for this. Let's you know, call it a fee. We yeah, we got to hire. Let's the, call it a straight yeah. fee. It's yeah. right. not a percentage, Frank. You borrow a hundred bucks there, say you fee of five dollars. Right, and if you borrow a thousand, right, on every hundred or every thousand dollars, there's a fee of X amount of dollars, and that's a one-time fee. There's no, you're sure. not paying it, you know. Right, uh, and you know what it's going to cost you, Al. That's you see, right. the problem with these rates is they got these amortization tables and all this oh, big all fancy this garbage, stuff. and and people don't know what. Well, what is this going to cost me? And then they got a thing, man. If you're late, your interest rate goes up. And look at the credit card industry. They're, they're crying now because uh, they're going to get screwed. Well, they can cry. I'm going to tell you something. The credit card industry needs to go away. The debit card, as I've told Drew, makes sense because the debit card says, Frank, you've got X amount of dollars on your card, and you go into Satan Way, and yeah. you just run it through the scanner. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Stephan, but your card's about $5 short. You're going to have to put some of it back. Right? Well, it's no more, yeah. You, only, you can only sure. buy with what you got. You well, sure. can't buy with money that you don't have, well, right? Well, sure. It's, it's, the same, it's the same as writing a check. A debit card is the same as writing a check, and they only let us write checks for the money we got. Okay, Al? Mm-hmm. It's not like the Federal Reserve or the government where they can keep writing checks and just say, you know, hey. Uh, yeah, they write checks until you and I and everybody else is in the ground and still write checks. Yeah, and, and never have the money. Al, are we ever, and, and believe me, folks, I am well aware that the debt is way higher than $9 trillion. Oh, no, no, the, the, the unfunded liabilities of Social Security and Medicare alone are 50-something trillion. Right, right. We've got like Just a, what? Just those two alone, that doesn't include all the other right, garbage we've got like a $70 trillion debt going on. $70, $80 trillion bucks, Al. Al. They How do you pay? It's like there isn't enough room in Eagle Point, Oregon, to store that kind of toilet paper. Hey, I don't care if you get yourself a computer disc. I mean, Al. How is there ever a way? You're never going to pay it back. Can anybody imagine the United States paying back seventy trillion dollars to somebody? And who exactly do we owe this? I want somebody to show me a, a, a warehouse with seventy trillion pieces well, of paper Al, in it. I want somebody to show me who who's the lucky winner that we owe seventy trillion bucks to. Who's Wait a the, minute, Frank, who's the trillionaire guys, here? Took a piece of paper, slapped some green ink and some writing on it. They created it on a thin air, and then they have the nerve to say, "Not only are you going to pay that back, we're going to charge you interest on something that we didn't even uh, we have nothing backing." And well, the people are still buying into this crap, aren't they? Well, they don't understand it. They don't know about it. It still buys them stuff at the store, and the pain level hasn't gone to the, the point where they carry The day is going to come, out. Frank, when Mr. Satanway is going to say, Frank and Melissa, I'm sorry, but I need some of that yellow or that gray stuff because this stuff is good to keep the house warm in winter. That's yeah, what he's going to say. Yeah, and then after that, that... And then it's going to get nasty. Then they're going to say, hey, no, I don't need that, that, go- that gold or silver stuff. I need some food. Got any water? Got any fuel? Got any food? Food, got any 
ammunition? Got any of that? When the uh, when the paper stops buying, Frank, you better have your supplies because it's going to get nasty. Real well, nasty. Yeah, and, but Al, I think there's going to be a window of opportunity where gold and silver are going their value is going to skyrocket, and you're going to be able to buy lots of stuff. But mm. you know, but that window is going to close, Al, and then that stuff's going to be thrown out in the street, and uh, nobody's going to want it. Well, you know, we got this thing from Ezekiel where it says they shall throw their gold and their silver in the... Ezekiel 13.8. Yep. They shall throw their gold and their silver in the streets. Right, and I don't remember a time in history when that's happened yet, uh, so it must be coming. Al, well, i got to let you go because I've got somebody coming on for the second half. Good enough. Nice right. talking to you. Thanks for coming on, Al. All right, folks, we're going to take a break, and then we've got a special surprise guest coming in for the second half. Though I could not caution all, I still might want a few. Don't lend your hand to raise no flag. The sun looks shiverful, Whether you call it commercial redemption or accept it for value, The Commerce Game Exposed is the book that will help you understand this process. The fact is, there is no lawful money in circulation. The explanation and details as to how this happened are enlightening, and the instructions concerning what one can do with this information are detailed and easy to understand. Utilizing this process is not for everyone, but learning how lawful money has been turned into commercial debt instruments should be of concern to everyone. The Commerce Game Exposed book is a good tool to learn the commercial nature of the New World Order. To order The Commerce Game Exposed, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the price is rising. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646. And mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Welcome back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. Heard on KU Band Satellite in North America and South America, uh, Galaxy 25, better known as Telstar 5. The frequency is 11836. That's Transponder 5. If you can get that far, you can find us where American Voice Radio listed there. Click on it. Boom. We'll be right coming over your uh, whatever you got, TV or... Uh, we got a hook to a stereo or something like that. We'll be coming over that. And uh, no, there's no picture on the TV. It's just sound. That's the thing about radio. But if you've got internet, we've got seven streams for you, ranging from 8K all the way up to 64K. You know, uh, you'd only want to use the 8K if you have to. If you've got dial-up, 8K should work for anybody out there because if you can't get 8K, you can't get anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't even look at websites if you can't get 8K. So, if you're having trouble, try the 8K. Oh, that's not good. What's going on here? What do I got? What do I got? Oh, oops. I think I have uh, something ringing here. I have to stop that because, uh, (laughs) anyway, I've got 8K. All right, enough. We're not going to have that anymore. Boy, oh, boy. Anyhow, we have, uh, what was I going to say here now? Uh, the, the the ringing all got to me. Anyway, 8K to 64K. Obviously, 64K is going to be good quality. 8 is going to be not so good, but if you can't get better, then that's what you're stuck with. Anyhow, then there is FM radios all around the, the world, actually, now getting more and more international FMs picking us up, and that's great. We've got uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Venezuela, Canada. Uh, golly, there was one other one that I, I forgot now, but anyways, there's lots of FMs. And if none of that works for you, you don't have Internet, you don't have an FM in your area, uh, you know, you don't have a KU satellite, you can use the phone bridge, 712-580-1100. You can use the phone bridge and uh, get on that way and listen. Now, I've got a surprise guest, like I told you all, and that would be John Sanchez. He is the host of The Headline News Hour, heard Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And uh, he's had some he's had some really great guests, uh, high-powered guests on there. And he's been covering the... Uh, recent elections for uh, the uh, uh, referendum on uh, constitutional amendments in Venezuela, and uh, now covering the aftermath of that defeat of those uh, amendments. Welcome, John. 
thank you, Frank. Thank you for uh, the invitation. Yeah, I wanted to have you on to talk about these, uh, basically, you know, the referendum, for, for those of you that don't know, was uh, voted on. There was like 69 different amendments put in two blocks and uh, voted on, and they were defeated. Now there is an aftermath going on, okay? It's not, at first it looked like it was going to be like everybody was going to say, all right, well, we voted, we spoke, here it is, there it is, let's all get back to work. But it turns out that doesn't look like the, the direction. It can still turn around and go that way, but it doesn't look like it's actually going in that direction, does it, John? Uh, actually, it doesn't. And what it looks, from what we heard the whole day, from uh, deputies that support President Chavez and Chavez himself, it looks like uh, they're not going to—they're not taking the feet well. And the, the harsh words between the opposition and Chavez uh, that are actually very, very concerning to the Venezuelan people were said today. And now you have a situation where, uh, again, Venezuela is uh, is in a string here, uh, where you know it looks like uh, people don't know which way to go. Well, now. What happened is, is what what's going on? What's what is the uh, what is Chavez saying? I mean, not, not the inflammatory stuff so much, but what's his plan? He's he, he's got an idea to reintroduce these uh, these amendments in some form or another. Not not the same. He's not gonna. From what I read, uh, he rec- kind of recognizes that putting him in two blocks like that might have been a mistake. Yeah, and I, I think he recognized that. He also, but, but the biggest mistake that he recognized after the defeat on Sunday, he was like not only the two blocks, but also allowing uh, himself, uh, allowing the National Assembly, who introduced, uh, because you, people got to understand that Chavez introduced 33 articles. It was 33 articles that uh, he introduced originally mm-hmm. on August 15th. But uh, after having debates and having uh, you know, conversations according uh, within the deputies in the National Assembly, they decided uh, to add another 36 articles to the original 33. And that was the biggest mistake because oh, even though the, uh, we all knew what the president wanted and the amendments that uh, he wanted and, and were proposed, um, the 36 articles that came about were not done particularly well. One, uh, there were actually... The, the Constitution uh, states that each article should be debated on three different grounds, meaning mm-hmm. the first ground within the National Assembly, two, uh, within the people, having uh, three debates within the uh, what they call uh, uh, consuls, so general consuls in the street, and the third back within the uh, National Assembly where they were going to be voted upon. Well, it appears that the second step was skipped when it came down to the other 36 article. And this is uh, one of the reasons why many Chavez supporters uh, kind of felt, felt wary about, about the, uh, uh, the Constitution now when he came back to, uh, uh, and they actually came back to hunt President Chavez as he, again, takes his first defeat in, uh, his, uh, as president. Uh, the, this is the first election that President Chavez has not won uh, in, uh, in his uh, nine years uh, he's been president. But that's the that's the other thing that I I find you know and it's his honestly it's it's his fault that this election is being tied to him even though he proposed the uh, you know the one block anyway of of all these proposals the uh, 
he took it kind of personal towards the end of uh, the campaigning, should you say. And now a lot of folks are, are using this as a, a defeat for Chavez when it didn't have anything to do with Chavez other than one of the articles, right? Was, uh, well, actually there was a, a couple that had something to do with him, like uh, his term was extended a year or two and he was given the opportunity to continue to run for office, right? Yes, and that was actually one of the uh, articles that was controversial uh, towards the opposition, but uh, it was one of the articles that everybody was focusing on, and it was actually an article that really didn't, it didn't, it didn't say he was going to be president for 20 years. Right. It said that it was going to allow him to be reelected, meaning there was going to be a election. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the other articles that really came back to hurt him, uh, according to the, the, the polls uh, that came out uh, uh, after the election, was uh, the first one was the, um, the three, uh, Article 337, which actually takes away the uh, freedom of information during state of emergency. And, yeah, uh, uh-huh. kind of like the Venezuelan version of the Patriot Act. Yes, and a lot of people were scared about it because... Uh, I, I don't think Chavez or the uh, people that introduced these articles did a good job in, in, uh, in one, proposing it, two, uh, explaining to the people what they meant about who calls an emergency, when is it, when is it considered a state emergency. And so a lot of things were, uh, were up in the air with uh, Article 337. And also another one that uh, a lot of people got uh, very weary was the uh, – the uh, during the uh, uh, there was one regarding the army which uh, which was going to create another uh, service. So you have your your military service, but one was your national research, uh, which was which mm-hmm. has been traditionally in Venezuela. But they were going to be called the Bolivarian militia, and it was not going to be a research. It was a, they were actually going to give guns for them to take home. So a lot of people were saying, do we want the, the National Reserve to take home weapons, it kind of, it kind of uh, backfired him there. Okay, now, uh, that, that's the one thing. You know, see, the folks, I heard, man, I've heard this for a while. President for life, president for life. He wants to be president for life. Uh, but really then, okay, fine. Uh, if that's what you think, then I guess we have senators for life and congressmen for life. Because the thing is, there are no term limits on U.S. senators, and there is no term limits on U.S. representatives. We can keep electing these people forever, for their lifetime, if we choose to. But at any time when there's an election come, we can also choose to vote for somebody else. And that is all Chavez was proposing in that article, as best as I can tell. Oh, yeah, no, and he actually made, uh, in an international uh, interview with CNN, uh, the Spanish version, uh, he mentioned the, uh, the, uh, uh, the senator, I believe he's a senator uh, from, uh, from Boston, uh, Kennedy, his name, uh, has been in Congress, I guess, forever. Yeah. Yeah, he says, this man has been in Congress since I was five years old. He, he mentioned. Yeah, and and it's been way too long. <laughs> he should have been gone a long time ago. But hey, that you know the people in Boston, in, in Massachusetts, can unelect him anytime they choose. They just haven't had the sense to do so yet. But you know, no account for that. But I heard I heard his call over there. So sometimes the brain they get the brain freeze. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it because there's something. It's a little water or something. But now. <laughs> 
It, was there a proposal in there that Chavez would also be in control of uh, the Venezuelan Central Bank? Yes, and that's another thing that a lot of people will worry about. But it, it was more of uh, him, not just control, it was more of the geographical part of it. Uh, of course, you had the, the uh, central bank, which is actually independent and has the autonomy from the state. He wanted control of that one, but it was the geographical part that actually a lot of uh, uh, majors around, uh, I think it was 48 cities that rejected this, was uh, the geographical uh, political map was going to change where you were, he was going to create different federal states, which he was going to put his own people uh, in those states and give the power to the uh, to the people through something called the communes, which was the communities, community councils. Well, now, I uh, honestly, from what I know of the banking thing, I don't have a problem with it because, for one thing, I, I've got to believe, and I don't, you know, I haven't had any conversations, and I don't know what he was thinking, but I got to believe part of the reason is to try to protect the Venezuelan bank from the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank because they have ravaged South America in the past. And, you know, Chavez has got to know he's not going to live forever, and somebody's going to come in there after him. And I think he wanted something in writing, something in stone, that basically protects the central bank from the IMF and gives the government more control over, oh, no, you don't, when it comes to the World Bank and, and you know, because they, they have been a disaster in South America, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't see that as a bad thing. And as a matter of fact, my belief is I don't care if it's Venezuela or the United States. I think the government, the Treasury, should be in charge of the central bank. If you're going to have a central bank, it ought to be run by the government, not by some private, you know, some private bank like we have here, the Federal Reserve banks. It's a mistake. It doesn't work. We're in bad, bad trouble. As uh, you know, Al and I was just discussing in the first hour. You know, the United States, this nine trillion dollar debt is not really reality. Okay, that's something we're being fed, and that sounds bad enough, nine trillion dollars. But it's more like seventy or eighty trillion dollars in debt. And uh, that's what private banks have done for the United States. So, you know, if it wasn't for our big military and our nuclear weapons, uh, i got to think the bank would have foreclosed on us long ago for that kind of debt, you know? So, I I mean, I can understand Chavez is trying to, you know, uh, do what he can to protect the Venezuelan banking system from from the uh, international banks. Yeah, not only that, but of course he created, uh, with, along with uh, the countries of Ecuador, uh, Ecuador, Bolivia, Cuba, Nicaragua, and soon to join will be Argentina, uh, creating the, what they call the South Bank, which is another alternative to the IMF, like you mentioned, the World Bank. And one of the things regarding the Central Bank in Venezuela was that um, most of the uh, most of their money was uh, put in American dollars, like gold and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, bonds. And he was like, "Listen, why do we want our our central bank's money on a on a weak dollar? We should have it where we could uh, actually use it efficiently." And this is one of the reasons why he wanted to. Uh, to have control over the uh, over the central bank. Well, you know, Venezuela is in a very and if they could just stabilize their politics, take care of the internal corruption, 
And uh, the crime problem that they have in at least Caracas, uh, they would be in a fantastic position. Venezuela has big oil reserves. Big, big oil reserves. They are an oil powerhouse. And they also have a lot of natural resources, gold being one of them. Because on your, uh, on your show, V Headline News Hour, you bring on every once in a while uh, people who know about and report on what's going on with the gold uh, industry in Venezuela, uh, predominantly, uh, what is it, Las Cristinas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, no. you know, as soon as we're on monetary issue right here, is Venezuela has two hard currencies right there. They've got gold mines and oil. I mean, they could basically take their Venezuelan money and back it by oil and gold and have a stable, strong currency, probably one of the strongest in the world. And they're a small enough country where they could pull it off and make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they, the potential of Venezuela is is fantastic, and they've got some real problems, though, too. I mean, the internal corruption is 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 almost a culture of corruption, <laughs> you, you know, uh, and it's it, and it's almost dealt with as though ah, that's just the way it is, and you know, that's that's not going to really work to bring Venice to let Venezuela realize its potential. I think. Yeah. And and there was a professor uh, who was actually very close to uh, uh, to President Chavez. We've been trying to get him uh, to come on our show on the V Headline show. Uh, his name is uh, Professor Erich. Uh, he he's a professor in the uh, one of the schools in Mexico. He's very close to President Chavez, and he came out with an editorial today. Uh, and it was kind of you know if you read it, you think the guy's in opposition, but this guy loves Chavez, and he's a very close friend of Chavez. But he was talking about why the child, the, uh, this uh, reform didn't, didn't pass. And one of the reasons why it didn't pass is was because they didn't have anything against the corruption. And pre- remember, President Chavez, like he, he, he tries to, uh, he states in his editorial, he says President Chavez was, was uh, elected because of the two-party system that they had that was the most corrupted in the world. And so you have the oil industry, you have oil, which is creating a, a big uh, oil boom, uh, which is creating uh, wealth, but only for the elite. And so President Chavez comes in, he takes over uh, to fight corruption, and it's been nine years now, and like you said, it's, it's kind of accepted as a culture thing. And, it, it was, and during the reform, there was nothing against the corruption. And I think this, again, came back to uh, bite uh, uh, President Chavez at the end uh, with this reform where there was nothing about it. But, again, this guy is a great supporter of President Chavez, but he's been uh, kind of uh, critic, critical. And a lot of uh, the people that do support Chavez, uh, starting uh, after the election uh, came and went, they've been very critical to him over the past uh, two days. Well, and, and you know, the the... I consider myself a supporter of Chavez myself, but the bottom line is, I mean, I can't honestly sit there and tell people, oh, yeah, everything he does is great. This was a great idea. Uh, It was, uh, I don't know what, the CIA. It was the opposition. It was was this. It was that. It was a mistake is what it was. People make mistakes. These are not gods in, in charge. They're just men who get to political office. 
and they do an overall good job or an overall bad job. They have their moments, good and bad. This was not a good moment for Chavez. I don't think he ran this referendum right. I think he overestimated his uh, influence with the people. I think he maybe thought that just because he said it was good, everybody would go, okay, and just go ahead and vote for it without even looking at it. Uh, and, and it's a mistake. But that doesn't mean he's a bad president or a bad man. He is the best thing that's happened to Venezuela in my lifetime, at least. So, you know, I mean, that's, this doesn't take away from any of that. The Chavez supporters have to realize a mistake was made, live with it, deal with it, and move on. I think. No, no, and that's what I think Venezuela right now is calling. Uh, they're trying to call for a reconciliation uh, between the, the past eight years that was been uh, marked with uh, oil strikes and, and coups and a lot of hatred and a lot of hatred talk. And a lot of people don't want to hear that anymore. A lot of people, and I think when you see 44%, uh, which is what the President Chavez is saying, there was 44% of uh, absence, uh, of absence mm-hmm. in, in the voting, uh, which actually I think it's, it will come out to 36, according to the numbers we're, we're gathering. But uh, even if it's 36 or 44, it's still a high majority of people that did not uh, care enough or, or were sending a message uh, to the political system, to the political leaders, that, you know what, you got to stop your your negative rhetoric and you got to start beginning to talk listen we have a constitution already we have uh the, the system in place now we just got to make it work and it's got to make it work not just for a a few elite or a few people that support a certain uh, either person chavez or the opposition but it's got to work for the 26 million venezuelans to live in in their country right now you know i i i myself I, I would like to see Chavez give the, uh, give the Venezuelan people an opportunity to, to elect him again if that's what they want. Because I'm, I'm afraid for Venezuela until I see somebody in the wings who is going to step up and be as good a leader as Chavez has been. Uh, you know, because overall Chavez has done great things for Venezuela. I think he could do more, but he needs to just, and I don't mean focus on it, just do it, let him check and then get back to work he needs to get back to work this internal corruption thing is holding venezuela back and the the crime thing in 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 caracas i had no idea that it was so dangerous at night in caracas yeah that's one of the problems that again you look at the absentee vote you look at the 44 percent and the uh, people that that voted against the reform and there's the president there's there's an american saying that my teacher used to tell me in college, he said, listen, Sanchez, you got to slow down to catch up. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what we have to tell President Chavez. Hey, you got to slow down to catch up. We're going too fast with this. Mm-hmm. We're going too fast. I mean, they wanted to uh, pass 69 articles. On, uh, they wanted to amend 69 articles in the Constitution in, in less than 30 days. Well, and, there, and, there's been th- and there's been things promised that haven't been done yet. You know, the corruption, for one, was promised. It hasn't been done yet. The rock star flying around the world, you know, uh, thing was promised not to be done. And, it, you know, I, in my opinion, it needs to be pulled back a little bit. And, and Venezuela needs to be the first, you know, the first concern about doing something about the internal corruption. 
I mean, you know, and doing something about the crime at night in Caracas, because, you know, Caracas is a major international city, and who's going to go on vacation? Who's going to go tourism into Caracas, the capital of Venezuela, if you can't leave your hotel at night, you know, because you're afraid you're going to be robbed, killed, or raped? Yeah, and according to the uh, international, uh, whatever it was, I forgot the uh, Forecaster? Yeah, he said that the uh, Sao Paulo, the city of Brazil, mm-hmm. is the it was the is the first uh, crime ridden city in the, in Latin America. Caracas is the second. Well, yeah, you you know you got to do something about that. And I don't mean you know being brutal or anything. It's just find out what's wrong, because there is a reason for crime. You know, find out what that reason is and do something about it. You know, people aren't just. Oh well, they're just bad. You know, I don't think so. They're probably there's something else. They're out of work. They're poor. There's been no, uh, you know, there's no punishment. There's no responsibility. You go out robbing and raping and killing at night. Nobody does anything about it. You know, if you get away with it, I mean, hey, look at our Congress. <laughs> you know, they they're they're continuously look at our president. Look at Bush. I mean, he's robbing, raping, and killing around the world. Nothing's happened to him. He's not even being impeached. So he just keeps doing it. And one of the things that President, and listen, we all, I support President Chavez. I think he's doing a good job. I think he's, he's, he's been great for Venezuela. Uh, it's been nine years of struggle, of a lot of changes. Anytime you come into a corrupt nation mm-hmm. and you're trying to change it, but it's, it's sometimes, you know what, a defeat is good. A defeat is healthy. Sure. Wake it, you up a little. Yeah, it, it wakes you up. It tells you, you know what? We're not perfect. You know, the, we're, the people didn't come out and vote. The people didn't come out and support us. Maybe we need to start listening again to the people because in a democratic society, uh, that when, when the people want to speak, they do it through the voting, and they go to the voting booth. Well, that's and, true, and I, I, and I hope the supporters uh, will realize that, you know, criticism is not being a traitor. Criticism is good, and they should listen. That doesn't mean, you know, every criticism is justified and everything should be listened to and everything. You know, you just take it and take the good things and throw away the, you know, just the vicious attacks and stuff. But you know what? There's a lot of criticism that can do a lot of good because people have ideas and and they want to support you. But, you know, I mean, it's like having a kid, right? You love that kid, you support that kid, but if he goes out bank robbing or something... You know, you're not going to say, well, that's okay, Junior. You know, I mean, uh, I'm your, you know, I'm going to support you. You know, you're probably going to call the cops and put them in prison and say, you know, and bring them, and bring them care packages in prison. But, I mean, you're not going to support that kind of activity. There's right and there's wrong. And when you're wrong, you know, people got to say, look, this is not in our best interest. You got you know, we're not for this. And, and realize that that's not a, being traitors. That's just being, you know, we've got an opinion. And this is the way we feel about it. And if you care enough about the process, and if you care enough about your country, I think criticism and dialogue has got to be the number one. It's got to be at the forefront. It's got to be, listen, man, we agree with you here, but I think you should be looking at this as well. And you know what? If everybody gets their word in and everybody has an opportunity to, uh, you know, say their piece, and then, you know, people cast their vote, maybe everybody will say, well, all right, well, you know, we lost or we won or whatever. It's time that we did it. It's done. Let's get to work. And maybe next time we'll do better. Mm. You know, I mean, that, Venezuela's just got so much potential. I hate to see it spinning its wheels. 
on on things like like this, you know. And I think at the end of the day, hopefully the leaders, hopefully President Chavez, uh, lets it go and just concentrate in, like you said, corruption and uh, the crime rate that is going up and trying to fill in. There's a lot of problems in, in the country that still need work because mm-hmm. what happens is uh, there's a lot of social programs out there that are great and look great on paper, but you need to teach the leaders of this program to, or the, or the uh, coordinators of this program how to follow through. That's so, right. And what, that's one of the things that a lot of people are, are talking about. They're not going against President Chavez. They're not saying, President Chavez, come on, you're not doing a good job. They're saying, President Chavez, listen, we did a great thing here. You have a social program, but now it's not working. The social program is not working, not because it's a bad idea, but because of the people that are running it are, are clueless and inefficient. They, they're not, they don't know what they, they're doing right now. Right. And, and this is one of the things that President Chavez has got to take a stronghold, and he's got to take his hand, and he's got to walk in. He's got to say, listen, this is what we've won, and this is the way we've got to do it. Well, hopefully he will. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential. And I, I remain a supporter of, uh, you know, President Chavez down in uh, Venezuela, you know. And, uh, boy, you know, I wish, I wish I could point to our president here and just say, oh, you know, a mistake here and a mistake there, but everything else has been really good. But, you see, everything else has been really bad, and we don't even have anything we can point to that he's done good. So, you know, Venezuela is way ahead of us on that. Uh, well, actually, you know. actually, actually uh, for Texas, was that he sold the Texas Rangers. That's the best thing that they did for the Rangers. <laughs> okay. They, they won there, you there you go. John, thanks a lot for being on. And, and John is the host of V Headline News Hour, heard Monday through Friday here on AVR at 10 a.m. Pacific time. John, thanks for being on. Thank you, uh, Frank, and uh, God bless everybody. All righty. All right, folks, we've run a little over. we got to cut it, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more. It was later than I thought When I first believed you Now I cannot share your How I cannot share your laughter Thanks for listening to the Frank Report. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Suderstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I am here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Tuesday, November 3rd. 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Gold had a tough day today. Looking at it now, it's down 16.30 in the aftermarket New York spot price at 11.18. Silver down 14 at 15.37. Had a little bit better recovery than uh, gold did. Not by much, but a little bit. Platinum down $14 at 967 and palladium was down three at six hundred and forty nine. Remember yesterday palladium got beaten up, down over four yeah, percent on the day. So uh you have the USDX today much stronger today, point two six at ninety seven seventeen. And crude oil was up strong, one point seven nine at forty seven ninety three. Paper markets today. Um, I mean they're just going to go. I saw an article today. It wasn't an article. It was an advertisement for the Dow Jones at 31,000. You know, that might po- that just might be possible, you know, in the next year with uh, what's going on coming from the White House and so forth. But uh, let's see if it gets 25,000 first. The Dow was up 89 at 17,918. The NASDAQ was up 17 at 5145. And the S&P was up 5 at 2109. 10-year yield, 2.22%. Up 0.03, and the euro is down 0.44, but still at that 110 level. European markets, um, really no changes. Japan was down 2%, you know, 391 points. But, you know, Japan is Japan. How much more stimulus is he going to uh, uh, do? And, uh, you know, it fails to accomplish much. Um, So... We've got a little article on that same subject from Financial Times that we'll get into before the program's done. I don't know if you want to do it right now or not. Yeah, may as well. Uh, Here it is from Financial Times. The headline is, Bank of Japan Considers More Easing. It says, while the U.S. Federal Reserve contemplates a finely balanced decision about whether to raise interest rates in December, (laughs) <laughs> or 2018, they didn't actually say 2018, I did, but its Japanese counterpart, the Central Bank of Japan, Bank of Japan, um, is being forced the other way. Last Friday, the Bank of Japan decided to leave monetary policy unchanged, but it also revised down its inflation and growth forecasts and pushed back its expect- expectation of hitting the 2% inflation target to the end of next year. In other words, they're a little over 13 months from now. And apparently they thought they were going to get to it around now, and they said, no, maybe it'll be next year. It seems likely and indeed desirable that the Bank of Japan will be forced to expand its program of quantitative easing before long. Now, these are the words of Financial Times. It seems likely and desirable that Bank of Japan will be forced to expand its program of quantitative easing, which essentially means they're going to push more money into the economy and try to inflate prices and thereby stimulate the economy. The Bank of Japan goes, excuse me, the Financial Times goes on and says, disappointing outcomes do not mean that the Bank of Japan's combination of inflation target and using quantitative easing has failed. 
but that the needs that that it needs to be more enthusiastically pursued. See, just because it hasn't succeeded up till now doesn't mean it's not going to work. We just have to more and pursue it with greater enthusiasm. And that doesn't mean you have to get a horn and a party hat and rest that sort of thing and maybe ride a faster horse. But they mean more enthusiastically pursued. It means you need to pump more fiat currency into the economy, all right, and try to make more inflation. It's a question of magnitude. <clears throat> Financial Times continues. The Bank of Japan can and should contemplate going further. And my point is, even though quantitative easing has failed to stimulate the Japanese economy for most of 20 years, even though quantitative easing has failed to stimulate the U.S. economy for the past six years, beyond perhaps preventing a crash, but we didn't get much positive benefit out of it, and even though quantitative easing appears to be currently failing to stimulate the European Union and Chinese economies, that's no reason to believe that quantitative easing doesn't work, is it? After all, it's conventional wisdom that if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Of course, it's also conventional wisdom to say doing the same thing over and over and hoping to get a different result is the definition of insanity. So, Elodie, which of these conventional wisdoms do you think is most applicable to Japan's current situation? Try, try again? Or... The definition of insanity. What are they doing here, Melody? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, maybe. It's not a matter of try, try again. I mean, well, it's, they have no version. options. So, yeah, I mean, they have no that's options the, but to keep doing what they're this doing. Is where, this is where the real point goes. This is the point to it. The, the article continues. When you say they have no options, there's even Well, they greater... do have an option, but they won't take that one. Like what? Well, you continue with your article. For one, the, pres- the practice of extending target dates and for hitting the goal of 2% inflation does not reassure investors, households, and companies that the bank is doing whatever it takes. In other words, every time the bank, the bank can't say, okay, we're going to have 2% inflation by the end of 2015. And then when we don't get it, they say, okay, we're going to have 2% inflation by the end of 2016. If they don't get that, okay, we're going to have 12% inflation by the end of 2018. And the article says extending these target dates for hitting gold 2% inflation does not reassure investors, households, or companies that the bank is doing whatever it takes. And my comment is that no. Extending target dates does not diminish public confidence in believing that the bank is doing all that it can do. It diminishes public confidence that the quantitative easing works and therefore diminishes public confidence that the central bank has any tools at all that even could work to repair the economy. Extending target dates, uh, dates is not an admission that the central bank hasn't, hasn't done enough. It's an admission that the central bank is helpless to solve the problem and therefore is not in control of the economy. And that diminishes public confidence in the system. There's a problem. They're saying, oh, just setting these back. You need to just do more quantitative easing. That's the solution. And the lesson is that quantitative easing doesn't really work. And if it doesn't work, what does? And that's a very big question. 
what works to stimulate, to put the economy back on track. And we'll touch on that before we get done here. Um, <clears throat> Haruhiko Kuroda, the Bank of Japan's governor, has a point that inflation rates have been pushed down by lower oil prices. But the weakness of real consumption, which fell by four-tenths of a percent in September uh, a year earlier, suggests there remains serious problems generating domestically driven demand and inflation. But what are those problems? We can all sit back and kind of say, yeah, there's some kind of economic problem going on here, but what is it? All right. One measure might be uh, that might provide an immediate boost to growth would be to permit higher immigration, relieving Japan's chronic labor shortage. Foreigners make up three-tenths of a percent of Japanese labor force and lower among uh, the lowest among advanced economies. Mr. Abe has uh, so far shied away from this politically explosive area, and that's, of course, because the Japanese, they aren't going to take anybody else in their country. They are, they are ethnocentric to an extraordinary degree, and they are shutting down schools. They're not producing enough children. So what are they going to do? Invite others into other 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 races to enter their country? No, they're shutting down schools because they don't have enough kids to fill them. It's evidence of a nation that is prepared to die, rather than, at least for the moment, they're prepared to die, rather than allow foreigners to enter into their country. Now, <clears throat> the Financial Times article says. Nevertheless, it cannot be up to Mr. Kuroda and his colleagues to get Japan's sputtering economy up to cruising speed. All right, he means that the Financial Times are admitted, they are implicitly admitting the obvious. The Central Bank of Japan and its quantitative easing programs have been proven to be incapable of reviving Japan's stagnant economy. If quantitative easing won't work, if quantitative easing can't work, what will? Should an economic depression be viewed as the result of economic imbalances and distortions? Is that why we have depressions? We're talking about we have serious problems, but what are they? And how are they going to be resolved? And are the problems making a, a depression more likely? Or is it possible that the depression should be... In, in other words, should an economic depression be viewed as the result of economic imbalances and distortions? Or is it possible, it seems like a crazy idea, but is it possible that an economic depression should be viewed as the cure for economic imbalances and depressions? Huh? Is an economic depression really a disease to be avoided or a remedy that flushes, it's like a giant national enema that flushes the crapola out of our political and economic system. Do we have so many imbalances and so many stupid things done by Washington and by ourselves that the only way to revive, to bring us back to some sort of sanity, we need an economic depression. Is that possible? I won't argue that it's true. But it certainly seems like it might be possible. Could it be that economic depression is the only viable cure for economic imbalances created by our government and monetary systems? If quantitative easing won't work, if quantitative easing can't work, 
is the only remedy for the distortions we see in this economy right now. It's the only remedy an economic depression. Not a disease. Not an adverse consequence. But a remedy. Kind of like taking a big dose of castor oil. What do you think, Melody? Is there a silver lining to an economic depression? Well, I think these countries are trying to run their economies as they once were. And when we have globalization to the degree that we have with all these trade agreements and what worked yesterday is not working today. Yeah, and you do have to reset these countries and, and the, these economies and the, these monetary policies. And you do have to get out of throwing this the, the stimulus, throwing money down a rat hole. It's not going to change anything. Um, so, you know, these, countries, these countries do have to be reset. And, I mean, I, and you know what? I was reading today about Switzerland, and they have deflation in their country, but they have something that they choose to call good deflation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's working for them. And certainly they still have their problems, but they recognize that their country isn't going to be what it was you know, 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, they're, you know, their position not to, uh, their GDP has dropped and they've accepted this. And um, so it's interesting, interesting to see how deflation for them is good. You well, know, deflation is good for some people. And, and it has worked. It's good for creditors. I mean, they have... They terrible for borrowers. It's great for creditors. You get paid back. If you do get paid back, you get paid back with dollars that have more, more purchasing power than the dollars you loaned. But it's terrible for debtors because they have to pay back with more expensive currency. Everybody who's bought a house has been... And virtually everyone has heard someone tell them that you'll be able to pay off your debt with cheaper dollars because they expect an, an inflation. That's great for debtors, borrowers. But it's terrible for creditors. So this is one of those teeter-totter things where what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Uh -huh. And the question is, how long can we keep doing what's good for the goose without doing something good for the gander? And that's what we've been doing. We've been saying, oh, we're going to have inflation, 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 and keep robbing creditors. Well, now we're getting a little deflation. Creditors are perhaps beginning to catch up on the losses they've experienced in the past, but you know. so I'm not so sure that this deflation that they call good for Switzerland is a long-term uh, solution to you know their problems. I mean, they were one of the first who were op offering negative rates. Their dollar got they since they pulled away from the euro, their their franc uh, has become very strong. And um, so, how do they we get do into have... inflation and deflation in the first place? You know, one of the things I saw, I read an article back some time ago, I don't recall when, a year ago, maybe more, I don't remember. But they pointed out that the price of most items in, I don't know, the late 1800s, perhaps even early 1900s, were virtually the same as the prices were back when this country started in the late 1700s. We'd had flat prices for just about everything. They were steady for a century. Now, I'm sure there were exceptions, but nevertheless, according to the article, prices were basically flat. Why? Because we had prices denominated in gold or silver coin. Mm -hmm. Our inflation and deflation problems are a function of a fiat currency that has no fixed value. 
And somebody's always messing with it one way or another. Huh? And I would say that all of you got a problem with inflation, you can talk to the guy who gave us fiat currency and debt-based and a debt-based monetary system. Got a problem with deflation? Same people. They're the ones that have done it. It's that debt-based monetary system. It's that fiat monetary system. That's what lays the foundation for both inflation and deflation and gives the politicians a certain amount of control. Gives the Federal Reserve a certain amount of control. They can give us inflation for a while and rob the creditors, or they can give us deflation for a while and rob the borrowers. But somebody's going to get robbed. And that's one of the fundamental realities of that fiat currency, debt-based monetary system. Somebody's going to get robbed. When you had gold, that was not true. They weren't being robbed by the government in the sense that we're talking about right now. Let's take a break for some commercials. Melody and I are here on Financial Survival, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. America 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adasker with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? I want to continue through with our special $25 face value of 90% quarter, so you would, would receive 100 coins, an AU $5 Liberty gold piece, free shipping, it's all included in the price, and we got to get you guys going out there buying these specials. We're going to include a free Silver Eagle at the same price as yesterday. So a free Silver Eagle, 90% quarters, $25 face value, which equals 100 of them, and an AU $5 Liberty gold piece, all for the low price of $700. Give us a call, 1-800-375-4188. Visit the website dgscoins.com dgscoins.com and make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter and listen to the radio programs that are archived there on a daily and weekly format thank you we have James we have Jim from West Virginia calling good afternoon Jim how are you fellas doing can't complain oh this is excellent well, the way I hear it, some politicians are saying, oh, in order to fix the economy, you, the people, will have to bleed yep. in a recession. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, and once again, the elephant's being ignored. We were once a nation of producers of wealth. Mm-hmm. We took things of little or no value, increased their value as a result of human endeavor. But now we have become a nation of sellers and scammers and predator parasites. And the biggest parasite predators are found on Wall Street, the Washington, D.C. area, a number of state capitals, and the Federal Reserve System. Now, I'm going to tell you folks out there that if we don't have enough of what we want and need, okay, I've used the phrase, I'll hit it again, food, fuel, fiber for clothes, materials and tools to build things, finished goods and services, things people are willing to buy, If you're not producing any wealth anybody's willing to buy, you are feeding off of the other people. You are consuming what others have produced. And the producers are getting bled down so far that when the producers fall down, all fall down with them. Now listen, if you're working for the government and you're not producing wealth, you are consuming it. And the only way to reverse all this is to reverse this process, put people back in the private sector where they produce real wealth. Right now, 
what we have is a situation where the government is cramming security down our throat, and by golly, we're taking two-thirds of the money in the economy to produce this security for you. Now, is that ever going to happen before we have big crunches? I doubt it seriously, but you need to know, folks, if you're working for the government and the Federal Reserve note starts failing, you ain't got nothing to offer the world to barter. You're going to be in the worst position. All you paper, filthy rich paper people, when the paper goes, guess what? <laughs> you lose. So I'm just trying to wake people up to the elephant in the room. I can remember way back in the 60s and 70s, and one of these days I'll do a diatribe about the corporation issue. But way back then, the question was raised, I think it was a some newspaper article, probably a Wall Street Journal or something, and we're talking about the fact that so many governments were corporations. Oh, we did that so it would be easier to do business. So the bottom line is that we have all these corporations. We see the United States of America is a corporation, then they don't have to show us a trade agreement that they have made with the rest of the world because it's a private corporate agreement. So we have two huge elephants in the room, the biggest one being too much government, and the other one is the fact that these this government, these are all corporations. So the FBI have a license to do business in your state? I don't think so. It's a corporation. Does it pay corporate income tax? I don't think so. Does the DEA pay corporate income tax? I don't think so. Is there any oversight of them? No, I don't think so. And if you think your auditor is going to do oversight, hey, the auditor knows where the bodies are buried. The auditor knows where the gold is, and nobody dares mess with the auditor, and the auditor better not step out of line. So, folks, just understand that all this gibberish coming out of the financial sector about what must be done, uh-uh, they're ignoring the elephant in the room. And it will come apart sooner or later. God bless you all. All right, thank you, Jim. I actually think there's another elephant that is perhaps more significant, and the elephant is the debt-based monetary system. What that inevitably means, if we have a debt-based monetary system, we used to have an asset-based monetary system. It was based, backed by gold or silver. And what that meant is if the government issued a paper dollar, for example, or the Federal Reserve now did, Federal Reserve did, they had to back whatever that piece of paper was, whether it was a dollar or a bond, it had to be backed with gold and silver. You could take it to the government, you could take it to the Federal Reserve, whoever issued it, and say, ha-ha, I have a piece of paper here with Secretary of the Treasury's signature on it for $100,000, and I want it in gold. They said, okay, no problem. But they changed over to a debt-based monetary system. And a debt-based monetary system, a debt is just a promise to pay. We have come to a point where we value the promises to pay. We value the debts. Because we have a debt-based monetary system, we have been taught to value debts more so, or at least the banks have and the government has. The, the debts are more important than the assets. Part of the reason for this is you can use these debt instruments like U.S. bonds, a mere promise to pay, scouts honor, I'm going to give you $100,000, you know you can trust me, I work for the government. All they have to do, they don't have to produce a gold coin. They don't have to produce a silver coin, which requires real work, real effort, real responsibility to come up with gold or silver. All they have to do is say, I promise, I'm going to pay, no problem. 
and everybody's buying these promises. They're accepting these promises that the government and or Federal Reserve will pay, and they're using these promises in banks under fractional reserve banking to issue more credit to the public. If they get $1,000, a $1,000 bond, and they put it in the vault, under fractional reserve banking, they can lend, the private banks can lend $9,000 to the public. And if they were charging 5% on each one of those loans, collectively they'd be making 45% on the $1,000 bond that they'd deposit, that they'd put in their vault. It's, I think, part of the reason why we hear reports that banks don't want cash. They make, I don't think they can use the cash as collateral for loans under fractional reserve banking. I may be mistaken about that. I don't know one way or the other. But I think they can't use the cash as collateral for making fractional reserve loans. So they say, I don't want your cash. I, what am I going to do with that? Just hold, just store it in a hidey hole, put it in a, put it in a box up in the uh, shoebox in my, in my closet? I don't want your cash. I want your debt instruments because I can put them in the vault, I can use them as collateral, and I can lend nine times the face value to the public at 5% interest and make 45% off your bond. All right? Well, the point I'm trying to get to is that insofar as the banks and the government have been conditioned, people haven't quite figured it out yet, but in a debt-based monetary system, we value debt more highly than we value assets. And the logic of that system inevitably compels us to go deeper and deeper into debt. When we have presidents says, oh, we have to raise the debt ceiling, and the rest of them go along with them. And an ordinary person says, that's crazy. We can't go deeper into debt to stimulate the economy. We're just going to, it's just going to drive us faster and faster on the road paved with good intentions that are taking us to heck. Right? Why would we want to go deeper into debt? Because we have a debt-based monetary system. In our system, debt is wealth. Debt is wealth, and the more debt we create, the wealthier we theoretically become. And a lot of people say, that's crazy talk, but how did you get your car? How did you get your truck? How did you get your house? How is it that you're living in a house that's worth maybe for a quarter of a million dollars? And for most people, the answer is they went into debt. It is by virtue of your ability and willingness to go into debt that you recovered, that you acquired the apparent wealth of the house you're living in and the car you're living in. How many of you paid cash for your car, paid cash for your home, paid cash for your land? Not many. Some did, but not many. Most, got, most of us have whatever symbols we surround ourselves with that say, oh, that guy, this guy's wealthy. How do you know? Well, he's got the nice house, got the great cars. How do you get them? By going into debt. The symbol of that debt is the house. The symbol of the debt is the house, is the car. It's not assets. It's not a function of conventional assets. Not a function of con conventional wealth. And when Jim is, is arguing that we, have, we used to be a productive nation, yeah. We were when we had an asset-based monetary system. But now we have a debt-based monetary system. You don't have to work to produce debt. All you have to do is promise. I promise to pay. What was one of the triggers for the Great Recession that started in 2007, 2008? And the answer is subprime mortgages. People that they knew, this guy's never going to pay his mortgage. 
They gave him a mortgage anyway. All he had to do, oh, yeah, yeah, I promised to pay. That's all it took was a promise to pay, and he got a house. Right? Couldn't keep it. But he did get a house. And the banks made money off the deal. And the lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.